Fire Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it I know you can't get enough At home, at work It don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes You know what's up Hey, uh, Rising from the ashes Hello everyone and welcome Rising. to From the Ashes I'm Danny Naki Dan the homie Romy How are you, sir? What's good in the hood, Tired homie? My body hurts I ache yeah. My joints are aching the wind will sh- shall snap me at my joints as I'm so weak from all of the the backbreaking work that I've been doing. Oh, <laughs> poor baby, so sad. Yeah, pity, pity for me, my friends. Pity, pity. Um. So before we get into some RFTA news today, I just want to sen- tell everybody. Again, remind them, send in your stories of your dreams or of paranormal activity or cryptid sightings that you've gotten one so far or yeah, we did. You got you saw it. Yep. I was actually just saying that for for show like i was like trying to you know you put a dollar in the tip jar and you usually get more but i didn't realize we actually had to have one already oh, okay wow yeah we do we got one uh somebody uh mark i'm not gonna say his last name but mark sent us one and uh it's a little short story about fairies oh a fairy thank sighting. you mark we're gonna read it and we'll, we'll read that on the Halloween fireball episode. Yeah, yeah. But so for the rest of you, send that shit in, man. Do it. Otherwise, we're not going to have a lot. We'll, you just want to hear us talk? Probably not. Or probably do. We never not. have anything good to say. Maybe you do. I don't know. Fuck. But for today, for RFTA news, we're going to play a little clip from the Jones Plantation. Jones Plantation. So I stole this from Dean. I heard it on his show. It's called The Jones Plantation, and it was made by Larkin Rose. And uh, we're going to play that right now, and then uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. So here we go. Mr. Jones owned a cotton plantation and many slaves. One day he was talking to the owner of the plantation next to his, and Mr. Jones was lamenting the fact that times were tough, he was having to work his slaves harder than ever, and was having trouble with some of them being disobedient or trying to run away. The other plantation owner said he knew someone who could help. Day one. One day Mr. Jones called his slaves together so a man named Mr. Smith could talk to them. Before beginning, Mr. Smith whispered to Mr. Jones, Whatever I say, do not contradict me or interfere, and I promise you your slave troubles will end. 
My name is Mr. Smith, he said to the slaves, and this may be the happiest day of your lives. From today forward, you will no longer be slaves, but free men. Mr. Jones was so shocked, he started to step forward, but Mr. Smith gestured for him to remain silent. He did, only because the other plantation owner had spoken so highly of Mr. Smith's skills. You are no longer the property of Mr. Jones, Mr. Smith continued. You are free. No more would you be forced to labor for the benefit of Mr. Jones. Now you can work for yourselves. Now the slaves were all murmuring and looking at each other. Many were smiling, many were looking puzzled. In fact, you are now free to leave the plantation whenever you want, Mr. Smith said. However, since we are surrounded by other plantations, if you leave, some other plantation owner will likely claim you as his own the moment you set foot on his property. So I urge you not to risk your newfound freedom by doing something so foolish. Instead, I suggest that you stay here, no longer as slaves, but as willing participants and part owners of this plantation. Yes, this is now your plantation. Mr. Jones bit his tongue to keep from objecting. For now, we might as well leave Mr. Jones in charge, said Mr. Smith since he is the only one with any experience at running a plantation, which is quite a complicated thing to manage. But he will no longer be your master, but just another worker on the plantation. In fact, he will now be using his organizational and management skills to serve you. Whatever problems you may have had with him before, you are now all equals, and you need each other to make this work. If we all cooperate and work together, we can all reap the benefits together. In honor of this happy occasion, I present you this new symbol of togetherness and cooperation, this flag, which shall be the emblem of the new free Jones Plantation. He held up the new flag, but most of those listening were still too amazed to respond. And this shall be our motto, Mr. Smith announced. We work together as free men for our mutual benefit, pledging our allegiance to the Jones Plantation, which stands for prosperity, liberty, and justice for all. To celebrate, everyone has the rest of the day off. Enjoy your freedom, do as you please, and be back here tomorrow morning, bright and early, so that we may begin work on this great and noble new endeavor as equal free men. Finally convinced that Mr. Smith was serious, the former slaves applauded and cheered. Day two. We all want this plantation to do well, Mr. Smith said at the beginning of the next meeting, so we can all share in the benefits. We all know that it takes a lot of effort to make a cotton plantation work, just because you're all free doesn't mean you can stop working. In fact, since you're now working for yourselves, I expect you to work even harder than ever before, but now with pride and joy, knowing that you're working for yourselves. Of course, there still have to be rules. If everyone just does whatever he wants, the plantation won't produce anything. This experiment will fail, and we'll all starve. You should be thankful that Mr. Jones has agreed to stay on to lend his knowledge and skills to this endeavor, and I trust you will all do your own part to make this work. Several of you have been chosen to act as project supervisors, to manage different aspects of the operation, to make sure everyone is doing his assigned job, to make sure that the rules are followed, and so on. The rest of you may head out to the fields to start your first day of work as free men. Day 3 The next morning, Mr. Smith had a grim expression on his face as the daily meeting began. I have an unpleasant duty to do today, he said. Yesterday, Charles was caught keeping some of the cotton he picked, presumably to sell for his own personal profit. That is against the rules. That is stealing. For that, Charles must be punished. Two men tied Charles to the whipping post. I take no joy in this, Mr. Smith continued, but you must understand, if we do not maintain order, if we do not have rules that we all abide by, then the plantation will fail, and we will all suffer. The whip cracked against Charles' back. But if we all pitch in for the common good, then we can all prosper. Being free doesn't mean you should be selfish and greedy. 
We must each do our assigned duties and obey the rules, and then we can all benefit, and each of you will receive your appropriate share of the profits. A young man named Samuel stepped forward. But if you and Mr. Jones decide the rules and whip us if we disobey, how is that any different from what we had before? How can you say that? Mr. Smith asked. I'm shocked. You were a slave before, and now you're free. Things still need to be managed and organized by those best qualified to do so. Do you know how to run a plantation, Samuel? Well, no, he answered. But if we're free, why do we get no say in what the rules are and how things work? I'm surprised at your ingratitude, Mr. Smith answered. None of you know how a plantation is run, so you're in no position to be making decisions about how things are done here. You don't seem to appreciate all the things that Mr. Jones provides for you, from protecting you from all the outside threats you know nothing about, those who would come here, capture and enslave you, if not for Mr. Jones' protection, to making sure that you all have food and housing, tools to work with, that you're cared for when sick and injured, and so on. There wouldn't be a plantation at all, no cotton to pick, no land to plant and harvest, if not for him. You should be grateful that he's made possible the level of comfort you now have. Your lives would be far worse, if not for him. Nevertheless, as free and equal participants in this endeavor, from now on at each meeting, any worker may have two minutes to ask questions or voice suggestions or complaints. With that, the workers all seemed satisfied and headed out again to the fields to pick the cotton. Day four. I have a big announcement, Mr. Smith said as the daily meeting began. Mr. Jones' cousin is here, and not just to visit and see how our project is coming along. It has been decided that from now on, you will be deciding who will manage the plantation. Of course, this job can't be done by just anyone, but every three months we will have a special meeting at which all the workers will vote on whether we think Mr. Jones should run the plantation or whether we think his cousin, Mr. Johnson, should run the plantation. That means that ultimately you are in charge because you will be deciding which man you want running things on your behalf. If you don't like the way things are being managed, you now have the power to change it. Amazed and pleased, the workers headed out again to the fields to pick the cotton. Days passed, months passed, a year passed, and the plantation continued to operate as before. Sometimes Mr. Jones was in charge, sometimes Mr. Johnson was in charge, but the day-to-day -day routine stayed exactly the same. The workers worked hard, long hours every day and still had little to show for it. Every day the meeting would begin with them all reciting the Jones Plantation motto, we work together as free men for our mutual benefit, pledging our allegiance to the Jones Plantation, which stands for prosperity, liberty, and justice for all. One day, Mr. Smith announced, Samuel is asked to say a few words this morning, and whatever the rest of us may think of his ideas and opinions, we are all free here, and that means we are all allowed to speak our minds. So, Samuel, you have two minutes. Begin. Samuel stepped forward, looking scared. I was excited when all this started, he began, glancing nervously at Mr. Smith and Mr. Jones. But don't you all see what's happened here? Nothing has changed. We're all still slaves. There were grumbles of disagreement from the crowd. They tell us what to do and whip us if we don't. They still make all the rules and punish us if we disobey. They let us make suggestions and complain about things, but they never really change anything. They let us choose between Mr. Jones and Mr. Johnson, but what's the difference? The situation stays the same. We do all of the work and they take as much as they want and decide how much they'll let us keep. They live in luxury made rich by the cotton we pick. We do all the work and have to build our own huts, grow our own food, and take care of ourselves. They leave us just enough that we don't revolt or run away. This is not freedom. 
We're all still slaves. They've only changed the words they use, but nothing else has changed. They say we're all free and equal, but we're not. They command and we obey. That's not freedom. That's not equality. They say we're free to leave, but all that means is that we're free to be someone else's slave. Why should we work or obey the rules? We didn't agree to this. They made the system. They forced it on us. They control and rob us and call it freedom. They've deceived you into thinking that being able to choose which slave master you'll work for is the same as being free. It's not. Open your eyes. If you keep what you produce, they call it stealing. When they take what you produce, they call it sharing and fair distribution. Can't you see that this is all? Your time is up, Samuel, Mr. Smith announced calmly. At his gesture, two supervisors grabbed Samuel by the arms and led him to the whipping post. I'm sorry, Samuel, but you've broken the rules. There are rules against encouraging others not to work and encouraging others to break the rules. You're only hurting all of us with your discontentment and your complaining and your disobedience. The whip fell and Samuel let out a grunt. Without rules, without order, all would be lost. Without law, there would be chaos. We can't just behave as wild animals, each doing whatever he pleases. We must all follow the plan and all do our duty for the betterment of everyone. And those who do not must be punished. The whip fell again and blood flowed freely from Samuel's back. Samuel, it is you who are stealing from the others. When you don't do your assigned work, you are making more work for others. When you disobey the rules, it is you who are endangering the future of everyone else here. You are the thief. You are the criminal. You are the one trying to destroy the arrangement that keeps us all safe and prosperous. At every lash of the whip, the other workers cheered louder and louder, some yelling curses at Samuel. Being spoiled and selfish, you complain about everything, talking as if you're oppressed. But you are the one ruining things. You are the one keeping us from being all we could be. It is your greed and your rebelliousness that is hurting all of us. They all play by the rules, Mr. Smith said, gesturing at the others. What makes you think that you don't have to? You think you're above the law? There were loud yells of agreement as the whip fell again. We must maintain order, Mr. Smith proclaimed, to make this plantation great, to make it so that we can all be happy and prosperous. To have the society we want, there have to be rules. We all have to contribute our fair share to this great endeavor, and we cannot tolerate actions and attitudes that seek to undermine the amazing things that together as free men we have achieved and will continue to achieve. Mr. Jones was smiling as he gave Mr. Smith a pat on the back. The crowd was cheering so loudly that none of them had noticed that Samuel had died. What you have been taught about government and politics is no more accurate or reasonable than what Mr. Smith taught the slaves. If you're ready to look through the veil of rhetoric and propaganda to see the reality beneath, get a copy of The Most Dangerous Superstition. It will change the way you see the world. Dun, 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 dun. Dan and Romy, break it down. What'd you think about that, man? Well, it sounded an awful lot like, you know, I think I think the story is well laid out that there you can the the, the talk for freedom, you know, the freedom of to have rights to human rights that we that we ask for labor law rights, we ask for human rights, we ask for wealth and freedom and all these things here within this system. And then you can so easily place it over the slave system. 
that um, supposedly once was as opposed to is. And, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a beautiful analogy. It's a beautiful story. Um, it's sad and disheartening and uh, enlightening at all at the same time. Uh, it's, it's heavy. It's, 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 it's mind control. It's uh, psychological warfare, basically, because of the, the verbiage, the, the games to, to, to make you feel safe. But really the ultimate goal is, is for the prosperity of the, the top or the elite at the, you know, making these decisions to, you know, manipulate everybody. Yeah, we are the plantation and our choices that we think we have, we don't have. They're controlled by the owner of the plantation and, you know, it's America in a nutshell. In a macadamia nutshell, hard to crack. I mean, uh, I, I think there's another part to it too, uh, I think I missed it, but I think they talk about also like given the illusion of uh, a choice and picking who they want to run the plantation, but then the plantation owner only gives him two choices between two different people that are his people <laughs> and not theirs. That's a political party system. And it kind of, it kind of reflects on, yeah, yeah. That's it's crazy. So what what's the history of the story? Where does it come from? What's the what's the deal? Is this an actual documented plantation like in their in in their style of doing things or what what's the history here? Um yeah, that's a good question. I'm not I'm not sure if it's like a real story or if it's uh like satire to show you what's going on. Um yeah, I'm not seeing uh anything so it must just be a video it's greatly i mean it's written beautifully to you know paint the picture that it does um you know you could bring that analogy into into the workplace or into your your you know your local party system or, or whatever and it's going to basically template all of those you know it's it's pretty pretty spot on um I've known that for a long time. That's why I prefer to be on the fringe ends of society um, as much as I can. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a crazy, crazy system. And we, you have a choice to play part in it. And um, I think we all are, you know, making our choices. But these choices they have repercussions to our spirit and it's important my friend it's mm -hmm. absolutely important to be reminded about the um you know the, the unconditional love and understanding that um the higher vibrational purpose that we are all here for and it is not to serve and to um you know to to do all of these, you know, mundane earthly things, you know, we have a larger, more beautiful, fruitful purpose. And it isn't to, um, you know, just abide and obey. It's more than that. We're, we are more than that as humans. We have so much more 
intact in our in our spirit and our in our goodness and our path is is being dimmed. The light is being dimmed. And what I think a lot of it is is I have an analogy, my friend, and I'm trying to work on it. You know, it's it's a theory, it's an analogy. It's uh you know, I'm, I'm building it and it's not yet perfected, but I'm going to say it's kind of like I like to envision humans and um, everything within our on earth, within the atmosphere. We are inside the body of the earth. So we act like white blood cells act in our blood um, and we are there. We don't know why the cells don't know why they don't know why they do what they do, but they have a job and they do it and they make the, the, the body healthy. And then that corresponds with different actions and areas of your body. And it doesn't know why. So we don't know why we're alive, but we do the things that we do instinctually based on our instincts and intuition. Well, if our, if we are just, you know, working parts of the earth's body system to make the earth you know, as healthy as possible, then we must be in a sickness stage in a parasitic virus stage where there has been an attack on the blood cells of earth, the human mind, we've been infiltrated and we're trying to fight back against the virus, you know, because we live in earth's body and, you know, as above, so below as within, as without, you know, fractalizing, whatever, what have you, if you can fractalize all the way down into our cellular into our cellular level and then maybe you expand all the way out and the earth is a cell within the celestial body you know and so we're just a fraction of that and so all this distraction and bullshit we are here to make the earth a as healthy as possible so then we can continue forth in the earth journey because the earth journey is our journey. And that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, man. I hear you. We, we need to push back a little bit, especially because we get into a conversation about COVID in here and masks and the mandates and everything else. And if we don't push back, they're going to walk all over us. And it's actually our constitutional rights to push back and by wearing the mask inside businesses inside places because they want you to it's only contributing to to keeping us in that situation the slave owners if we all just stop doing it if we all just stop doing it and don't abide the dude doesn't abide or the dude does abide don't be a dude. <laughs> that was a that was a psyop movie uh, because they want you to think that being a dude means that you abide, but that is very the opposite. <laughs> yeah, so don't abide. Uh, push back. You know, um, if you're good, you know, be strong and uh, don't don't fall into the traps that they're presenting for you. You know. I think it gives a good perspective on the illusion of choice that we have in, uh, and especially in this time and, uh, be strong people, be strong, be strong. Yeah. 
Well, that's all I, I got. You. you got anything else to add I to that? You. We love you. <laughs> no, I love you. Have a good day. No. Yes. I don't love you. No. I, <laughs> yes. 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 I, I love you. <laughs> I love you too, bro. See? Bro. This is how everybody needs to be uh, in order for the earth to transcend to the full vibrational acceleration. Oh. Thanks, Romy, for your inquisitive thoughts. <laughs> Truly. But Fire Tribe. Get ready, because this is Dean Reiner, and he's going to talk to us a little about the esoteric side of COVID-19. Uh, we get into a little bit of MK Ultra too. And then uh, in the last hour or so, he talks about his dogman story. Um, it's pretty good. So check that out. Hope you guys enjoy it. And remember to wake up. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning into today's show. We are rising from the ashes. And we, as the Fire Tribe, will rise. Awaken our eyes beyond what is seemingly laid upon us. We can extend our consciousness to the further ends of our cosmic understanding. If you enjoy our show and you like the content that we create, make sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends. Hello everybody, yes please, please, please do. Also, follow us on Instagram at RFTA Podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email us at risingftashes at yahoo.com. We are exclusively on Alt Media United. Check it out, altmediaunited.com forward slash rising. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rising from the motherfucking ashes. What up, homie? Hello, oh. hello, hello. I fucked up. My you bad. fucked up. This no, is Danny no, Knocky Dan. I am the homie Romy. How how art how art Dizzy? What's good in the hood? I just got a sweet, awesome, amazing human here today to. To go down the many threads of great conversation. Excellent. <laughs> Dean Reiner 
from the Up Is Down podcast. What is How going on? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. A, B, A, B. Select start. start. 30 lives. Let's go. <laughs> infinite lives, infinite ammunition. You're just killing everything. <laughs> Goodness. Oh, man. So how's it going, my man? Dude, things we are going talked, really uh, good, man. Things are going really good. We talked that manifest. Yeah. Yeah, we talked for a while, man. I, I talked to you from the back of Roman's car. <laughs> <laughs> While he was grilling. Yeah, I know Roman had a fucking car. He was about to grill up these amazing little tiny like micro lamb chops that he fed half of them to his beautiful dog. And it was it was a really uh, cool conversation. Oh, dude. Yeah. Thank you. He remembers. Dude, we ate. Was that before right, or so- after the dog BJ? Oh, that was after oh, the dog BJ. Dude, I okay, okay so we I like, saw Manifest that shit. Was great. And it fucked me up for a little <laughs> bit, man. I was so dude, proud of you. Enough, uh, dude. He's he, dude. He's a straight like he goes and all he does is like raise his eyebrows and then next thing you know his uh, his rocket is being fellatioed. Um, he just raises his eyebrows and it's fellatioed. Fellatioed. Yeah, it's a it's quite it's quite an experience. I try to uh, to be less in shock and awe in the moment and. Just mesmerized by it but and actually be more reactionary and be like hey did you they're like did you just possess these dogs to come upon your sweet pup peen or are you asking consent here like what's going on maybe i don't understand dogs oh dude it was all consensual because i was clocking those dogs running around the little pug was super (laughs) stoked and then uh they're all running around playing and everything and then i looked over for a minute and i'm just like oh my god (laughs) everyone's happy Everyone was happy. There was no, there was no, uh, I got a buggy. There was no violation taking place as far as I concerned. You know, I was just like, wow. Okay. uh, All right. That's happening. (laughs) (laughs) That observation needed to happen. I wonder what kind of synchronicity that may have been for you in that moment. (laughs) I wish you could have seen it, man. It was cool. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of things just clicked right there. You're just like, that's right. I was doing something. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we all met at Manifest, which was now, God, probably like six weeks ago or whatever. Yeah. Good time, though. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good, good conversation. We got into a little bit of left-hand, right-hand path stuff, and then uh, talked a lot about religion and the up-and-down relationship with that. Yeah, man. Cult stuff. Yeah. So what's been going on? Uh, in my in my little world, yeah, man. So when I was closing in on like my hundredth episode, which I was trying to like fight off, I was trying to fight off. Thanks, I guess I was trying to fight off a hundred episodes. Like I, I didn't, I just don't really, dude. I just don't really give a shit, man. I don't know. I don't really care. I don't care about a hundred episodes. Like I it's guess an accomplishment. I though. guess yeah. I guess How it's Portland a mile marker for sure. But like I'm just like oh now so now what? And so I was kind of losing steam because I was going through a period of like some real demoralization of all of this mind control that's been happening. And it's as much as I've been able to to successfully separate myself from it to greater and lesser degrees throughout the last year and a half. It was really starting to get to me uh, at the beginning of the summer. And so I just wasn't really feeling that inspired. I feel like I just don't want to keep kicking the can down the road talking about COVID, but there's literally nothing else to talk about that really, I mean, there's things that interest me, but like when you get super fucking demoralized and you start to realize 
that the black pill that you've swallowed is growing oh, inside of your throat and it's suffocating mm-hmm. and it's filling up your neck. There's like, mm-hmm. no, like nothing, mm-hmm. there's nothing positive about that to it, you know, in, in some capacity. So I was getting kind of down and then I hit the hundredth episode and then like, boom, like gangbusters, I put out like seven or eight episodes, like bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Started yeah. talking <laughs> to some cool people doing some really cool stuff. And now I'm kind of like on another little bit of a hiatus, like, it's really nice having a solo podcast with no co-hosts, with no schedule. I do everything completely on my own by myself, the way I want to do it, when I want to do it. And uh, yeah, so I, I've, I shot out like seven or eight episodes that I think were pretty valuable and pretty, pretty good. And in the meantime, I had a birthday. I turned 43. Um, my household here at the chalet uh, was adopted by a stray cat, so now we have this cool cat, <laughs> and uh, and that's been kind of cool because that's funny. Like for about almost a year, I was kind of manifesting a a feline in my life, but my partner isn't a huge fan of felines because her daughter is like really allergic, you know. And and I'm so you know I'm I'm gonna compromise. We don't want animals necessarily, like dogs or cats. We don't want pets. We want livestock. We want like chickens and maybe a couple goats, you know, goats and, uh, and that's all in its way. But then all of a sudden, boom, there's this cat. So we checked out the cat and I got her some of the vaccines, the rabies and the leukemia stuff. And, uh, she's an outside cat and she's just like six months old, seven months old, maybe. And she'd already had a litter of kittens. So she'd been out there in the wilderness fucking and fighting and brought a litter of kitties out into the world. Perhaps, maybe not, maybe not the term. There were no little kittens to be found besides her. And so we checked to make sure that no one was missing her, that she didn't have a chip and no one claimed her. And she's a little orange tabby female, which we then learned is like actually pretty rare, like one out of 10. So that's been pretty cool. That's been a real joy. I manifested a cat in my life. So now I have a little murderer and she's, she's really good. She's a sweetheart. She's an outside cat, kind of a farm cat, and she brings home kill every single day. Presents. I was going to ask kill. if she brings home gifts. Yeah, she brings home birds and voles and moles and mice. And I went and was changing out her little bedding area outside, and there's just a severed head of a mouse next to her. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes, that's my little killer, just sleeping with a what severed head like Odin, you know, <laughs> like yes. a little oracle some severed head. So that's been nice, man. Um, what else? Dude? So yeah, my birthday came and passed and it reminded me that it was one year ago, exactly on my birthday that my truck was stolen. And that was a whole mm. crazy thing. I talked about it at length in my podcast a year ago. And then on the same day of my birthday, as I'm dropping my daughter off to her second day of second grade, I get a call from the victim's advocate for the courts and they're telling me that they're going to drop the case on the guy and he's just going to walk and everything. So it's just like, man, that's been annoying and kind of cool. Just a lot of annoying and kind of cool things. I mean, I kind of oscillate between joy Matrix and despair loops. throughout the day, depending on what time. <laughs> of day it is. So, yeah, I feel that. I feel <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, oh, I can go into man. a lot more rambling detail. Like I'm working on, I built, I built this big chicken run because we're going to get a whole bunch more chickens. I've been volunteering a lot at this farm. 
this is a little farm sanctuary. This woman runs this big, huge operation where she takes in all kinds of animals and livestock. And I mean, just like every kind of animal you could oh, imagine. Wow. She has multiple. What's the name of that organization? Uh, it's called you know, Green. It's okay. Yeah, it's called Green Acres Sanctuary Farm. And it's outside of the little town that I live in in an undisclosed location in Northwest Oregon. <laughs> yeah. In between yeah. Malala and Salem, there's a little farm sanctuary. And she runs this thing all by herself. And it's a huge tight ship, but she does it all on a voluntary basis. It's been a lot of, it's been bringing me and my daughter and my partner a lot of joy being able to spend like a Saturday afternoon, every Saturday, committing four or five hours to building a pig barn or cleaning out stalls or changing water dishes and just getting to know um, a lot of these uh, abandoned animals and goats and chickens and turkeys and cow and pigs and horses that have been neglected, that have been rescued uh, by animal services or the police. And they all know to bring them to this woman's farm and she takes good care of them. So we've been developing a nice relationship and um I've been outfitting some places on our little tiny acre and a half that we can accommodate a couple goats and we can accommodate another 10 chickens and give them a life outside of that farm, which is not necessarily going to be better or worse, but just knowing that these animals are cared for and loved is really important. And also bringing that kind of a relationship to land, you know, of land and of human contact and animal husbandry to my seven and a half year old daughter who spends, you know, half of her life in the city of Portland in the yeah. metro area, very materialistic, very superficial. <clears throat> and then the other half of the time she spends here in this open air land with people that are working side by side together, maskless, no care about the mind control, just uh, working together to achieve a particular end that's going to benefit humans and animals alike. So that's been so rewarding. It's been really cool. And I think and if there's nothing else to do, if you can, if there's a place you can volunteer to help animals out, man, it's it really does something. Fucking cool. do that. Like you can't put a monetary value on that experience or the um how yeah. uh you can't really you can't clock that into the the systems uh version of what is considered valuable because that right there, even uh being a part of that community, if shit were to, you know, hit the proverbial fan, um then you know even having access to that that or that lady who runs that place and you know you being able to say you know well now we can grow our community stronger because you know we don't need the stresses of like you know dealing with the matrix bullshit and i i really think that's really cool man and and thank you for doing that and thank you for sharing that because that's that's really uh valuable information that um i think people should uh, try to look into if they can if they can for sure I mean, what's really cool is that all of us are facing a very uncertain future that looks more grim by the day. And it's not just human beings that are affected by this stuff. But I mean, all the veterinarians around my little town, none of them are even accepting new clients because they've been forbidden to conduct surgeries to spay and neuter the stray cats and animals that are around here. So you imagine the yeah. problem with cats having, you know, feral cats having children, having babies and kittens and litters constantly that are going to be then eaten by other animals. And I can respect and, and, um, and, and value the cycle of life, the life, death, destruction loop. But to know that the catch-all of COVID has prohibited local town veterinarians from conducting surgeries to spay and neuter 
and and do inoculations on most animals that they're not even accepting clients because they're so backlogged for the last year. It's fucking disgusting. Makes me want to puke and put nails in my eye. It's, it's fucking it's just, ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Why? It makes me mad just thinking about it. Why? Why are? <laughs> why is the Humane Society not allowed to spay and neuter cats all of a sudden because of COVID? What the fuck does COVID have to do with feral cats having unwanted, you know, or or, or unhomed litters of kittens? It pisses me off, and I I want I want answers, but there's no answers. There's none, and Side there won't line, be any. What- what do you think the symbolism behind the word COVID um, or Corona or what, what is this? Cause it's obviously like a blanket um, term statement situation, mud floody erasal suppression history thing that we can conglomerate and group together. Cause obviously this has nothing to do with COVID, but what do you think symbolically um, alo- with the name alone of COVID uh, means if anything? Uh, COVID is a brand. Coronavirus is an, it's another, um, it's a real thing. There is, you know, obviously you guys know, and we're not telling anything new, but surprise, there's, there's no fucking pandemic. (laughs) That's just a fact. There's no pandemic, but coronavirus is a real thing. But you think about Corona and coronal, coronal mass ejections. I've been thinking a lot about the earth's electromagnetic field and yes. how all of us are electromagnetic fields that are walking and yes. talking generators of energy. And I do know that every hundred or so years, there are solar minimums and solar maximums. And within these solar minimums, there is a particular flavor of chaos that erupts and manifests itself in solar flares. And these solar flares can affect the electromagnetic energy. And every 11 years, there's solar storms within these solar minimums. And with those solar storms also contained coronal mass ejections. And, uh, and if you go back in time, it's literally every hundred or so years, there are recorded coronal mass ejections, solar flares, and upsets in the electromagnetics of the solar system and Earth and human beings. And all of those things have resulted in unbridled viral transmission. And what these things do is they actually alter and change the DNA, not only of human beings and animals, but bacteria and viruses themselves. And so I think there's the something atmosphere. very interesting there. I mean, really, there's a sky clock that I think a lot of these over-controller psychopaths are trying to get ahead of at the mm-hmm. very least. And if at the very worst, they're trying to bridle it and ride it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's definitely something to that because we obviously like, you know, um, the the positive and negative of the magnetics of the earth, right? The 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 the, the balance of it them coming together and then separating back and and doing whatever to the earth's atmosphere that it does. I'm not aware because I'm not a physicist, but I, it all makes sense. And it also makes sense that the nefarious natures that be um, one of the most important things that they could do to remain and hold in power is to have the um, real access to the sky clock and the real access to the star maps and, you know, the, the understanding of true astrology, not the, you know, misinformation that we hear all over that's sprinkled on everybody's social media pages and their, and their horoscopes and such, but the real true understanding of, you know, our, of our earth system. And if they can get ahead of that and control that, then they can basically continue to stay in control. 
Yeah, I think there's something there for sure. And what's, you know, I think what's what's not obvious to most people is that these electromagnetic upsets affect, like I said, it, it can alter your DNA and not just plants and animals, but viruses and bacteria as well. But it has a direct link to our own pineal glands. And, our, you know, our, our pineal glands, are, that's our third eye. That's our gateway to whatever ascendance or enlightenment uh, maybe that allows us to see through the bullshit. Maybe it's that same pineal gland being subdued or calcified that prohibits people from seeing through the bullshit. I don't know. I don't have any answers, but I I think that there's definitely, it's not just coincidental that it's a coronavirus, one of a family of coronaviruses that right now, a hundred years after the Spanish flu, which was a hundred years after the pox, which was another hundred years after some other shit and then a hundred years after the bubonic plague i don't think it's any coincidence at all that these things just spring up i think what's happening is that these people these over controller psychopaths are trying to mirror on earth on a terrestrial plane and create Uh, a uh an economic and social new way the the great reset in order to really (laughs) hold these changes and dictate their direction for once because now they can do it globally because a hundred years ago there wasn't fucking skype you know do you think they have the technology to control facebook a hundred years ago think about man i mean if there was a spanish okay so the spanish flu whatever you know could you imagine if there was facebook during the spanish flu it'd be the exact (laughs) same thing as it is now yeah yeah it would be be the exact same thing yeah you get you get mass hysteria mass you know like uh, w- uh, what's that term when people uh, think they have a sickness, but they don't? Uh, hypochondria. Mass hypochondriatic, you know, cases <laughs> and just a bunch of just crazy, crazy madness. Mind yeah, you're control. 100% correct. Do you, so real quick, do you think um, one of the goals is to maintain power and be able to control these solar flares? of earth like by no you don't think there's any way to be able to control that or they're trying to no i think they're just trying to get ahead of it and find a way to really to really utilize it i think that these things are predictable these type of solar flares these coronal mass ejections uh these solar minimums is really what we're talking about is solar minimums and solar maximums Um, these things are able to be clocked they're they're able to be predicted mathematically cause uh cosmologically astro- astronomically you can you can guarantee roundabout roughly when the next one is going to happen and i think that these people um as occultist as they are and i think there is a lot more of a divine and esoteric nature behind what we're going through uh, uh-huh. but i think on a on a really on a mathematical level these things are calculated predicted and acted upon and they know that we're too stupid we're too fucking stupid because all we care about is Netflix and chill and fucking football and sports and beer and porn. We don't care. We don't keep up with that. No, who cares about math? Math is racist. God. You know, if, if they can keep us away from any kind of actual study and critical thinking, they know that they can do whatever they want to us and they're and it's working and they're doing a fucking fine job. <laughs> it's, it's a Swiss watch, man. I mean, it's like they couldn't have done it any better. And while it's true, and it may be true that the whole thing is falling apart. I mean, every day I wake up with 
the feeling that, oh, this whole thing is going to collapse any minute. It's a house of cards. It's all made of glass. It's a sandcastle, and here comes the tide. It just seems to keep standing. <laughs> it just it just keeps standing. I don't I don't get it. When we talk about like the esoteric viewpoints and everything, talk about like trauma experiences and kind of giving way to enlightening enlightenment or enlightening experiences or mm-hmm. an awakening through trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh they they kind of sort of did this with a lot of like MK Ultra type shit and other things. Do you think this is like kind of like a worldwide MK Ultra to actually wake people up to new ideas that are maybe sleeping? Because it seems like during this whole Trump era and up during COVID, a lot of people have been waking up kind of like a new 9-11 in a way. And people are waking up to realize that, you know, something's not right. And it's actually helping people look at things differently than they have been because a lot of people are just like you are going out to the woods now and trying to live with nature instead of against nature. So do you think it had a a positive benefit or do you think uh, that was like a, a, a something that they didn't foresee? And they're stacking on a fuck ton of uh, um, predictive programming in all the movies too. It's like they're just putting out hella clues. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think to answer your question, I I do think that they foresaw that there would be a quote unquote great awakening. And for what it's worth, I mean, in my opinion, and I, I don't know anything, man, but in my opinion, for every one person that's quote unquote waking up, two more people are choosing to stay asleep. Choosing to stay asleep. Well, the vaccine percentage is like almost like 50-50 now, you know what I mean? I don't think so. You don't think so? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I think it's more like 70-30. Not really? in our favor. Wow. I don't think that many people are, are getting the vaccine or lining up. They they. No, I, I agree. I agree, but that's not going to stop the machine. Well, right. They want everybody to get vaccinated, but um, what uh, what I'm saying is, people are against it. There's a lot of people against it. So, people are against it, but and and you know, this is I. I'm sorry, man, but I have a very I I think I might have a very unpopular opinion, and I happen to feel in my bones that they are <laughs> going to get every single one of us. Those of us that are against it, that are making aims to decide when and where we want to live when and where we want to live when and where we want to be we're just buying ourselves some time maybe more time maybe a lot of time more than other people but i think eventually this machine it's a glacier man and it is unstoppable and it is so slow even though things seem like they're ramping up and going really fast and they are in some places in some pockets i think this is something divine and and what I mean by divine is I, I don't believe that divine is lovey dovey enlightenment, bliss in the branches, great awakening. I think divine has very little tolerance or patience for human. I think divine is something so cosmologically improbable, something so far removed from our consciousness to think that we can ascertain that it is going to help us that it's a nice thing i think is just childish 
That's I, that's, I like that. Um, that's interesting, <laughs> that and I think that's what it sucks what... to think. It sucks to think. But man, I well, just I just don't know, man. I just I really don't think that they're ever ever going to stop. And I think that we had a we had a window. We had a window to really stand up, and people had been so asleep by the millions, by the hundreds of millions by then. And this was over a year ago. We had a window between, you know, say yeah. March, March and June of 2020. There was a window to stop it, and no one did anything. Everyone they, fell they in threw line. out the bait, right? They threw out the bait into the fucking into the waters, and uh, now it's uh, too late. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I want to do really quick, or not really quick, however long it takes, baby. Um, but you had an incredible uh, series on your show for the MK Ultra projects, right? Uh, yeah, man. Thank you, dude. Was, dude, I love it, uh, and I've recommended it to uh, quite a few people because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a look and a breakdown of it from not the, um, you know, the the really super far outside, like you bring in nothing but absolute clips. I mean, maybe the people might be a little far out and whether or not we can believe their stories, you know, you leave it for the, up to your audience to decide, which is great, which is how a lot of things should be. Um, which is why I really respect the opinion on it. But what I want to ask, um, you is what is the final takeaway you took from that specific research you did for that five part series? Um, if you can just maybe, have an answer for that <laughs> what you took yeah. away from that i think okay my, my, my takeaway i think my you know my final conclusion with the research that i did on mk is that shit got sloppy in the 80s i think they got sloppy i think they got a little cocky and i think that they have refined their methods and they have shifted um thanks to uh, a big you know greater advancements in technology i think that they are using way more I guess they're more, they're more technical. It's, it, it's more high. It sounds crazy, but it's more high tech now. I don't, I, I think that there's a, there's still a whole department, if you would, for people that will do something, something like a uh, satanic ritual abuse or actual abductions of people and, you know, uh, traumatize their mind to split their personalities through, through, you know, sexual abuse and isolation and all that. But I think that is old school. I think that they have completely shifted and moved up. I think that they have been able to infiltrate and co-opt uh, technologies that are available long and long, long ago through departments like DARPA and the Pentagon yes. and the Department of Defense. And I think that they're moving on to microwave technology and that they are yes. doing not, not just doing what they did to uh, like Paul Benassi or Kathy O'Brien as an individual in a room fucking with them and sending them on missions. But I think that they, I think that they have the, but they have the capabilities to go after not just one target or a hundred, but whole communities, neighborhoods, even nations. And I think they can do this not only with microwave technology, but I think that they're doing it currently with these constructed false flag mega rituals where they use the tools available to them which is a completely co-opted and controlled media system, a completely fat, you know, a, a, a fallible economic system, uh, celebrity, social media, uh -huh. social pressure, and now the coup de grace, the coronavirus, which entails self-isolation, fear of the other, 
and every single hostile response when you find yourself doom scrolling on your social media account and just absorbing all of this trauma constantly. All these things are are degrees, I believe, in a spectrum of mega ritual trauma entertainment, trauma information, everything that we are living through that we are taking in unless we are cultivating it ourselves with people that we know and love and practicing it and experiencing it with love, I believe is actually just pure trauma uh, to keep us uh, down, to, to keep us afraid, to keep us skeptical. And uh, so I, th- I think that they have advanced far from picking up children on the streets and fucking with them and sending them on missions and turning them into butterfly children. <laughs> to really just focusing in on people's intentions, focusing in on their personalities, using uh, all the devices at their disposal in the dark and deep web, using the Pentagon, using DARPA, using mind control, using microwave technology to control people's minds, to control their thinking, to really reshape and reframe the very fabric of individual and collective reality. It is big. (laughs) And it's so big that it can never be unraveled. Because it's so hyper-compartmentalized because of government, because of endless budgets, because of the most biggest, baddest, most powerful governments in the world who are compartmentalized, mega-compartmentalized, and hyper-compartmentalized so that one department can't even understand or even knows that there is another department doing something else. So there's there's no way that anyone could ever be held to be accountable. There's no cross-examination possible because no one literally knows anything. They could all with all plausible deniability, claim total ignorance of what they're doing because they don't even know what they're doing. That, that's why the regulatory services or agencies, right? Like a big part of their ploy of these regulatory agencies like CDC, WHO, you know, ADA, so on and so forth, the, the millions of alphabet uh, organizations that are there. And they just constantly have rotating uh, CEOs and, and board members that are just constantly rotating into either corporations or alphabet organizations. Right. Yeah. Like they're that, moving that's, from that's they're moving from hyper- advisory boards. They're moving from FDA advisory boards where they're then, you know, their 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 whole job, their duty is to adjudicate whether or not a particular vaccine is effective or not effective or or you know ready for approval or disapproval. And then six months later, boom, they're out of the limelight. And then two months, three months later, oh, they're sitting on the board of Pfizer. Mm-hmm. You know, they're sitting on the board about the profit margins yeah. of their vaccine now, as opposed to the health effects of it. Right. What on we're looking at end. is endless and like endless, massive global conflict of interest. And on in, in every sector from top to bottom, side to side, coast to coast in every country around the world. It is nothing but a massive ball of conflict of interest. Where on one hand, on one day. And this is interesting. I was thinking about this today. And it's just, it's interesting to me, not, it's not interesting to me. It's just, it's just infuriating to know as I'm driving along thinking about how, like, how is it possible? And this is what I'm talking about with like, you're talking about mind control and MK, all right? The whole thing that makes MK so effective in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and how they got sloppy, was that the what the, the real what the, the real goal is cognitive dissonance, where you can have two conflicting realities at the same time in one person's brain, you know? And so I equate what's happening to us as a society, as a human race right now, as free-thinking people, is let's just say that the collective of the human mind right now is that young 11-year-old boy who's delivering papers. 
And then he gets abducted. We've been abducted. And then we're set in a room for four or five, six days, no food, no water. We get pissed on. We get slapped around. We get fucked in the ass. And then all of a sudden we get let out. You know, They let us have our freedoms back. Now we can go outside of our house. Now we can shop. And we even get to decide what we're going to buy. Just like when that kid gets abducted and abused in that, in that room for seven, eight, 10 days, and then he gets let out on the couch and that child gets to sit on the couch and watch TV with his abductor. And that abductor will actually give this child the choice of what show they're going to watch, what food they're going to watch. And then at any minute, boom, it's back in the cage again, you know, and that's the cognitive dissonance where you don't know. You don't know. And you end up with the Stockholm syndrome where you know you're being abused. You know what's happening is wrong and against the law and evil. And you are in pain and you're suffering. But at least now you get to watch your favorite show. And at least now you get to eat your favorite Salisbury steak TV dinner. And then at any given minute, for any given reason, you're back in the room again. And so how is it possible with this cognitive dissonance that I've just kind of played out there in this fucked up image, when on one hand, on one day, every single person with a cell phone, with a computer has access to all of the information about the coronavirus, all of it, all of it, because they talk about it all the time. They tell you how ineffective the vaccines are. We know the numbers of sickness and death. We know that children aren't susceptible to this thing to a great degree. We know that masks don't work. So why is it possible? How is it possible that while everyone has access to this information, never mind that they don't choose to look at it, put that away. We have access to the information, but yet at the same time, we're not allowed to talk about it. That's the cognitive dissonance. That is the mind control. That is the captive child who Uh knows they're being abused, but can't stop it. It fucking pisses me off, man. As, as it should, as it fucking should, bro. <laughs> I, I believe it was uh, your podcast that I was listening to, Dean. Uh, I think one day you just played. You're just like, here, I'm just gonna play this clip for you. And it was like uh, <laughs> an old, that. an old, uh, like a uh, slave owner guy or something, some old fucks uh, talking about how they were gonna give. Uh, slaves the choice now to uh, vote, but they're going to pick who they get to vote for and then they're going to let them have the option. And it, <clears throat> Was that you? Yeah, yeah. I think what you're talking about is a, a short it's a short little video by Larkin Rose called The Jones Plantation, which is yep. actually, by the way, being made into <clears throat> a small independent film and the character of Mr. Jones is being played by one of my favorite podcasters, Legal Man, um, who is mm. the only podcaster that I support on Patreon with double the required amount because I find him so valuable. But yeah, that's the Jones Plantation, and that's it. It's it's eight minutes of how of how unions work. It's eight minutes of how democracy works because all these things that we're told are the 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 free way of the world you know, collective thought, every vote matters. But when you actually step back and see that every single thing is controlled and every single mm-hmm. thing is concentrated into, into constructed outlets and channels that you have no say over, what, I mean, what, what kind of freedom is that? It's not freedom at all. It's the freedom to remain enslaved. And in that, in that short, the Jones plantation, the slaves want to stay enslaved because they don't know any different. 
And when like, someone oh, speaks fine, out and tells know. them that there's something different, they applaud they when him. he gets whipped to death. <laughs> that's fucked up. That is the cognitive dissonance. And so this whole- That's the MK. That's the MK. That is the MK. Yep. And it's happening. I- it's crazy when I, when I, so like I, I was born and I'm so grateful because life is in fact a blessing and, you know, ascendance, transcendence, consciousness, what, whatever it may be, it's permeated within everything that is here and earth within our atmosphere. Like the goodness of consciousness is here. Um, and we know that as chit, kid, children, we know that as children, we understand that, but we de- can't, we don't really communicate it because we just assume that that's the way that everything is, you know, unless you're just, just so sensitive, uh, as a child that you just get permeated and kind of doled down anyways. Po- sorry, sorry. But the point I'm getting at is I was, I am really grateful and lucky enough to, have when I was a kid, I just I saw the compartmentalization, I saw the centralization, I saw the 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 tyranny over everything when I was a fucking young kid, and I like would question myself about it and would have these like weird like kind of nuns talk in my head, like it was like it was strange like mystery science theater um, like mo- scene inside my head where like these nuns would come and like kind of repeat everything I was seeing. And then asking myself questions as to what these blockages were, like why these systems were put in place or why these, why is there so much structure to the way that reality is when I look outside into the forest or the woods or, you know, the actual, and I don't really so much like the word nature because I think it puts too big of a severance on our existence and co coexistence with the word nature um but you know the cosmic reality and i was just like i see this and then i see this so there the separation is there but we created the separation why did we create the separation and that the hyper compartmentalization that you say you know catholicism yeah oh, God. worse worse <laughs> than that <laughs> worse than that it's it's yeah i mean there were there were religions before catholicism Catholicism and the whole grouping of, of uh, Abrahamic religions. I probably shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> I was going to. It all mean, goes back. I, it, it goes back to a particular subject that is so ultra taboo, and just for what it's worth, like that's the, been the focus of my studies lately. And I don't do like massive studies. I don't sit around a library full of books for hours. Like I have a, I do have access to an enormous library of fantastic books, rare books, forbidden books, old books, out of print books and self-published books. And all of them have, you know, little pebbles and sometimes massive mountains of truth in them. But one of my interests lately has been is trying to figure out uh, the truth behind the Abrahamic religions and the cosmology of the earth. And that's just very deep topics. (laughs) It's, it's massive, but I'll tell you one thing so far and what I've been had an inkling up for about a year now. And the more I look, the more it points to one direction. It's a particular direction that no one is allowed to talk about. And because no one is allowed to talk about it, I want to explore it. I want to know why, even though I'll know, I know, dude, I'll never be able to have that conversation openly. Just like we're not allowed to have the conversation openly right now about the fucking virus. Even though we have all the information, everyone has access to all the information. 
We have access can- to all of it. There's nothing hidden besides the agenda. And when you when you overlay this agenda that we're living through now with the historical agenda of cosmological proportion that goes back spiritually for thousands and thousands of years, it's like overlaying two maps of the same building, one on top of another. And yet we're not allowed to talk about it. Why? You can talk to me about it. I'll be your shoulder to cry. Oh, on. man. Yeah, please Thanks, tell dude. us. <laughs> please, please Thanks, tell Dan. us. Here, we're That's not going to release this episode. Man. We'll edit it out. Mm-hmm. You can tell us your dirty secrets and we'll never let anybody know. No, I can't. Uh, I can't do it. Uh, I can't be too sure about that. <laughs> I might let the cat out of the bag. Um, <laughs> no, people get canceled right away. But if right you want to talk about religion and the origins of Abrahamic religions, hit me up, dog. I got you. I would like to, but I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I'm in the process right now of rethinking my entire stance on morality. That's you what should. it does, As at least should. for me, yes. you know, yes. because there was a whole, I mean, this is the whole thing. People, people get hung up. I, my whole life, everyone I know, everyone I know, and have ever known and probably will ever know, except for a few courageous few get hung up and caught on the hook of particular facts, particular facts, ignoring almost willfully, but not always that beyond these facts on the hook, this worm, there is so much more and so many more facts that are forbidden to speak of and acknowledge, you know, I mean, it's just crazy to me. And so one, like the first, the first foot, I stepped across that border of knowing the real facts, say, about the body count in World War II, everyone involved. I never knew that until I read Understanding the F Word by David McGowan. You know, I didn't know that Russia suffered four times the amount of, you know, casualties than than everyone else. I didn't know that. Mm. Why? Why am I not allowed to know that? Why does that why is that so downplayed? Why do we get stuck on that one thing and can't and don't see and we're not taught anything else, you know? I don't know. I have some ideas, I you. but I can't talk about it. <laughs> you can't talk about it. Oh my gosh, this man of it, mysteries is getting me wet. The I controllers, can't. the con- the controllers tell you what they want you to know. And that's it because there's it's more yeah. of the MK ultra mind uh, conditioning to tell you about these things. So you stop looking into these things because it's taboo. That's right. Just like Friday the 13th. It's taboo. No longer worship a divine female anymore, because if you do, you're going to go to hell or we're going to kill you like we did Jacques de Molay. Yeah. Well, or, definitely. What, what, what I can say is it's become clear in the very cursory research that I've done about the Abrahamic religions that there has been uh, an overthrow of a divine feminine for a divine masculine. Yes. And that has been embodied in the Abrahamic religions. And I want to know why, God damn it. <laughs> I want to know I told why. You hit me up. I'll tell you, you know, Oh, okay. Let's, let's get into it. But so when we're, when we're, when we're talking about like that, um, that controlled information, you know, the controlled narrative of the psychopaths, maybe they're reptilians. I don't think so. 
the controlled so narrative and information as far as this is what you're allowed to know and no more. It's because these people, just like the kidnappers, are controlling every wall of every room in that house that that yeah. child is being held in. And after a while, that child has been told forcefully and violently and sometimes very sweetly and very gen gently that their parents gave them up. You never had a mom and dad. You don't have any sisters or brothers. That was never your name. And after a while, that child, like Paul Benassi, like Kathy O'Brien, and like the the kid that um, you know, the paperboy kid. I can't can't believe I don't even remember his name right now. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. You know who I'm, I'm talking about, but you know well. these these people. They forget. They forget that they had a source. They forget the source from whence they came. And then the entire fabric of the world has been reshaped through careful manipulation. Then you start believing in flat earth. And then you start believing in flat earth. And then you start, and that, yeah. And, and then you start thinking that maybe, we, maybe Stanley Kubrick is the moon. Let, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just nuts. That's where Disney's at too. Sir Walt and uh, yeah. Kubrick are up there just chilling, like, Getting their heads floating around on little uh, what do you mean bodies? The, the moon's a Death Star. <laughs> exactly. The moon is a oh. recycling center made of cheese. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of what I that's how I think about how the MK. That's my big takeaway is that it never stopped. No, absolutely. it's only transformed, I and it's gotten more high tech, and it's gotten bigger and broader. And it has less to do with individuals for individual purposes, whether it's, you know, smuggling guns or co-opting movements, uh, whether it's musical or political. But you think about every single major movement, every single social movement that's ever been that's ever happened in the United States, even down to the Great Depression, even to the first stock market crash in 1929. You go all the way up the ladder through the civil rights movement and through the hippies and then the yuppies. And it's just knowing the truth that every single one of those things were constructed and created and went, went, and went down like clockwork, you know, by people that had the means in order to shape and mold the very fabric of reality around people. Like my, my pal, Adam from the Deborah gets red pill podcast. I love mm -hmm. him, man. And he's going through a weird pivot right now in the show but what he wants to do is he wants to basically present the idea that uh, that what what that the boomers that the boomers were like the biggest victims of the biggest psyop ever constructed ever that yes. ever happened in the history of the world. And I don't think he's wrong, but I don't think there's any way to lay that case down because it is so broad. I, 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 there's something to that though. I, cause I, I believe that the, you know, when the CIA came out and, uh, uh, if it was the late fifties or early sixties on, on, on television, on like mainstream television, on a basic cable, they had like, you know, they, they, the CIA used to like make commercials. Right. And, um, they, I, I think that there's, been at least oh, Operation Mockingbird because not only, not only do they make commercials, yes. but they they I mean Operation Mockingbird they had they created their own news stories. They had news. agents in news offices exactly. all over the world, newspaper running anonymously, exactly. and then they would so, send that down the wire to the AP, and the AP would print the story. And they still do it and today. The timing, 
<laughs> and they, they've been doing it. It never stopped. It just was that created snowballed. People that knew about it were, um, you know, tricked into thinking it was bullshit or they came out and they, they did it so they could tell everybody it was happening. And then they knew down the road that they could erase people's like, you know, uh, so basically I think another reason why, um, we have such a bad time memorizing anything that happens to us as a culture or as like a group and also on a personal level and why like, you know, memory can be blocked out through different types of trauma. Um, but mm -hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with understanding the human physiological, like, and biological nutrition. Like, I think the, the fact that our diet is being so, um, highly controlled and suppressed is because that's the way that if we're fatigued constantly via health wise, then we're so much uh, easier to keep in the grasp of the low vibrational state and not being able to tap into the real, um, you know, optimization of being a human. And that's one of the things that I, I am really trying to focus my life on is understanding why that nutrition is being suppressed so much because I think that has a large part to do with, um, you know, the MK series, you know, I think so. I think, I mean, I, I can kind of do a little Jen Pasaki circle back when you have that, when, when you have a, a massive 24 seven onslaught of fear and intimidation and propaganda that is skewing and shifting you into particular channels of thinking that is going to lower or raise your frequency. And I'm not just talking about people that are like watching CNN all day. I'm talking about people like me, people like me that are questionable questioning that are, uh, you know, I mean, dude, my fucking Twitter feed is like 100% for some reason. <laughs> this is just what Twitter thinks I want to see, but it's a hundred percent anti-vaxxers, black hotep, uh, um, anarchists. That's all Twitter shows me, Sweet. you know? And when I see that, I, I mean, I just see like in all of those Psy little demographics, hundred percent black hotep anarchist anti-vaxxers. It's like the, the mind control is just as strong there in the all, quote yeah. unquote alternative communities as it is in the mainstream communities. Mind control algorithms through AI understanding of uh, technology. I know it's nuts. And the thing is, I mean, we could say you can decentralize. I mean, I think decentralization is the only way out of it, but what does that mean? I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, what that really means on the most achievable level is you're literally living in a cave. Like you're, <laughs> you're living in a cave, you're like building fire and you're, you're eating your pets, you know, like that's how far you're going to have to go because there's nowhere you can go. There's nowhere you can go that Coke and Pepsi isn't already just pumping through your brain and showing you. I mean, we're we're doing this podcast, dude, from three different locations at the same time. When on earth has that <laughs> ever been possible? <laughs> I want to I want to throw a little wrench in here. All right, yes, and, and that wrench, that throw wrench is. In here. Do you do you just think that sometimes maybe we're just fucking getting old and just want to complain about the shit that's going on in hell the yeah. world and the and the kids? Yeah, hell yeah, like our that. parents did, because. You know, when we grew up, the years uh, the I'm, I'm about as old as you. I'm 40. So listening to, you know, Black Sabbath and shit like that, you know, was considered like Satanism 
uh, you're like a devil worshiper if you listen to heavy metal. Yeah. So I, I think, some, like I said about fear, pe- people fear what they don't understand. And I, and I think sometimes we kind of get older and we don't understand the n- new generation coming up. And we just say, ah, oh, well, that shit's bad for you. This shit's bad for you. I mean, granted, eh. doing a, a podcast like this, we we can see evidences for the fact that they that they really are being controlled in a way with their phones and with t- television programming and all this other stuff. But I mean, even when we were kids, you know, there was people out there that would say, "Kill your TV." Your TV's like, you know, but that was the guy in the and car that says, wrong. "I love Jesus" signs all over it too. So it's like, <laughs> who do you trust? They weren't wrong when they said throw out your TV. They're a hundred percent correct. I love yeah, my but TV, we all just man. thought that was the, the crazy person, though. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's the thing. That crazy person, David Koresh, right? Crazy person. Um, what's his name? Um, that dude on 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 Ruby Ridge, crazy person. Jim Jones, totally crazy person. You know, these people are, these people are crazy. Right. And this is what, this is, I mean, we're, this is what I think about the over controller psychopaths, right? They're crazy people. They gotta be crazy, but you know what, yeah. man, this is just kind of where I'm at. Like I'm, maybe I'm demoralized. Maybe I'm black pills to the bone and I don't care. But if these people are Nazis and they want to depopulate the earth, bring it back down to 500 billion or 500 million. <laughs> Georgia Guidestones. Maybe they're not wrong. What? Why do it covertly though? Why not just fucking do it? Ah, I mean, that's, that's the great question. Why wouldn't they just, maybe because they don't have the power. Maybe, maybe we don't really have the nukes. Maybe because people are, fighting amongst themselves uh you know the the on the 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 government the bureaucracies around the world consider there's 192 nations or Or because they can it's almost 200 different countries you know maybe they're all vying for power to see who's going to be in 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 the upper elites but if you look at like the real practice training grounds of where these things were kicking off and where the real experimentation is happening places like italy australia the uk Mm -hmm. Canada, Israel, the you know all these 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 crown colonies, and here in the United States. I mean, as far as I know, I don't know, so don't quote me on it because I'm probably wrong. I'm wrong about plenty of things, but as far as I know, America is the only country in the world that's like put that's mandating masks for kids to go to school. Why? You know, we're a test tube it, country. It, well, we're 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 a crown colony. We're still a crown Absolutely. colony. You know, we're, it's the greatest experiment. We've never weren't. No, we lost that. We lost that in the revolutionary war. Well, we lost that in the civil war. Really? The civil war is when all of your so-called fucking bill of rights, your freedoms, my freedom, bro. All your, all that shit went away. (laughs) All that shit went away at the end of the civil war, because here you had a nation that was split down the middle, not down the middle, but you know what I'm saying? It's split. And there was a country that said, okay, fine, we'll leave. We'll become our own country. And the United States Union, by force, murdered and killed and forced the South 
into the union would not let them secede. They did it by force. They killed millions of people in order to, to achieve that end. And that was when your so-called freedom ended because shortly after that, everything in the constitution was ratified. All of your fucking things, all of all the shit that all these two a proud people fucking come and all the come and take it. Bros think that the, that they, <laughs> these fucking people think they can sue you know, I, I love it. I love how everyone, I, I like look at these Twitter feeds and everyone's like, well, that's like to see that stand up in court. And I'm like, there's no court that's going to hear your fucking case. You are a slave. We are all American project slaves. And we've all, we've been that way for about 180 years. It's project over. is a keyword there. You know, it's a project. <laughs> and all these crown colonies, Australia, the UK, Canada, so gung-ho, so pushing this COVID thing to the end all the way as far as they can. And as soon as they get to the end, they just make the end even farther away. And they keep pushing it and keep pushing it and keep pushing it. For what reasons? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think in my bones, I think it's depop. I think they're trying to depopulate. And then I ask myself, why am I so mad at that idea? I hate everybody. Fuck the world. <laughs> because it's, it's so it's... wrong. Why is it so wrong? Why is it – I'm telling you, this is I'm, – maybe I'm very unpopular. I, I don't care how popular I am. I think – I just don't know if it's such a bad idea to depopulate the earth Do you know <laughs> how many normal, seemingly you know? normal people have said, um, yeah, you know, depopulation isn't like that big a deal because there's so many stupid people in the world. We could just get rid of them. That's what, that's a very common thing. And you're not in the, you're not in the abnormal in that, but I will say this, those stupid people can continue to be stupid and the nefarious people should be the ones depopulized because fuck them for thinking that they have a chance against me. I will those, fucking, I, those stupid people. Do you think it's <laughs> okay? Listen. Those stupid they're people. My, they're, my, they're my cousins and my aunties, unfortunately, sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're people that you think love you and that you love. <laughs> but they have no problem putting you into a camp. So at what point do they cease being stupid and become nefarious? Yeah. It's a, it's a thin veil <laughs> there, hey? <laughs> it, and if it's about depopulation, why go after the people that listen to them? Right. I mean, right from the beginning, man, I was thinking about this thing. I think because they want to challenge. I think because I think they want to line up the people who will just like get the vags or, you know, so on and so forth. The people that have, I think they've, I personally, and let me know what you guys think on this really quick. And I don't mean to interject if I, I did do see that. the rats run. Well, yeah, like, you know, like they lay out breadcrumbs, right? Predictive programming. They lay out all these different, you know, these these reasons why we shouldn't trust them. And then if you do trust them and you do do their by their abiding order, they're either going to like bring you on to their, you know, thing so they can continue to, you know, breed you or they're going to kill them off and then give themselves an even bigger challenge. Because I think they really adore the challenge, you know, Um because it's been going on for so damn long and they figured out so much already. So I, I think it's either you have the side of them continuing to breed us like bacteria in a tube, or they're going to wipe out the weak and the stupid. And then they're going to leave it up to the, um, you know, the, the, the red coats versus the brown coats kind of situation. Like, Oh, 
You know what I mean? I don't fucking know. Yet again, obviously, I know nothing either. You know, I mean, I thought for a while that um, this whole thing was trying to depopulate, and, and you know, and, and I think it is depopulating. And I started wondering about, well, who's the targets? You know, and is it possible that perhaps we're the targets, not not the targets of a of assassination or assimilation or or eradication extermination, but perhaps they know that the majority of people on earth will willingly fall for this bullshit hook, line, sinker, demand vaccines, demand to be controlled. And maybe, maybe these things will show themselves. Maybe these little, these jabs will actually show themselves to what they are in three four or five years. And of course, by then no one will put it together. No one will be allowed because we can't even talk about it now. We can't imagine that in four or five years, the truth is going to come out and we'll be able to talk about it then. It's never going to fucking happen. And so maybe, actually, it is a real culling, a culling. Maybe they want critical thinking people. Maybe they want creative people. I think a lot of what is going on is about creation. As we're surrounded by a certain level of destruction, destruction of your, yeah. uh, your household, your family, your job, your economy, your society, you're losing friends left and right. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not because I don't really have any friends because I don't fucking care. I hate people. I love them, but I hate them. But I, I just I just don't care to be around a bunch of people all the time. But what I'm saying is the pressure and as the screw turns and the pressure increases, those who are not capable or willing to create a new life, to create their own great reset – as we watch the world get reset around us, whether we like it or not, I think it demands mm -hmm. that those who can and who have a drive, who are creative, I think that's a real push. And I think those people that are creative tends to be those really creative people, not the fake celebrities and fake punk rock musicians who are pushing <laughs> masks and vax. Those guys are all toys and now they're showing themselves. But I think the real creative people that are creating separate economies, that are working with cryptocurrencies, that are developing new platforms, that are secure, that are building VPNs, that are creating different enterprises for individual people to work together clandestinely. That's all. That's the real creativity. Maybe that's the goal. You know, maybe we've always been the target from the beginning and everyone else is just, just chafe getting, or I guess they call it chaff getting brushed off the kernel of the wheat fodder you know? <laughs> fodder yeah i don't know i don't know that was beautiful <laughs> it is uh, yeah, such a beautiful visual it's, it's always perplexing when you when you really start to try to think of it and break it down um that's why i you know i kind of just try not to even think about it or even worry about this covid shit and just try to do my everyday life Without listening to it, I, I actually uh, block people on Instagram if they post a bunch of shit about COVID all the time. I'm just like, get the fuck out of here with that shit every fucking 10 minutes. Uh, because it you're giving it the energy to keep going. And uh, I think we need to pull our energy away from it and out of it. Uh, so that way it'll, it'll normalize itself out. Because I think by yeah. putting the energy into into it and watching it on TV, talking about it on the internet and all this other shit we're doing. We're just keeping it going. 
and we need to just fucking let it go and go about our daily business like we used to. And then what the fuck are they going to do about that? I know, man. I 100% agree, dude. That's why, I mean, I was, I say it in the show sometimes, but I, I try to live it all the time. It's just keep yourself busy, make stuff, create stuff, do things. Because I know, at least for me and some people that are around me regularly, when we plug ourselves into a task, that's why I think, you know, volunteering at that farm, you know, volunteering at that farm yeah. is doing something, making something. Even if, even if you live in an apartment or whatever, just get out and go do something, make something, get together with one person, two people, or just you know, if you can, even just by yourself, just get into something. Cause I know that when I do that, man, like I take my brain out of it. I put on an audio book of some stupid fiction story that I'm listening to or whatever, <laughs> you know, or just music and just get into a task, you know, build a chicken coop or go help someone out with the, you know, repaving their driveway or fucking finishing that family room in their house, you know, or helping them, you know, uh, uh, put amendments and recondition their soil so you guys can have a, a, a garden together and maybe you can grow a week's worth of food. Not that, not that I think people are going to need it. I mean, I do, but whatever you can do to get yourself out of the, uh, the, the responsive habit of just responding and being affected and then sending more responses out and just, just tune tuning out of it, shutting off the Facebook and the fucking Twitter and, Go build a chicken coop. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, I honestly like I, I think it's it's a it's it's a low vibrational state to be tapped into. Like and if you are tapping into it either way on the opposing side or the approving side, it's I think that's what it is. I think it's kind of like a weird portal that's open and it's like if you tap into it, you would just get sucked in like a little toilet, like you know, turd in the toilet. Either way, no matter what side you're on, you know. Um, but I, I don't think it necessarily all has to be negative, you know, viewing the occultic elitist, you know, whatever, like nefarious fucking overlords situation. I think, um, it's important to understand the methods of the madness because we live within, you know, the paranormal existence reality. It doesn't all have to be necessarily negative. Understanding it can help us understand the paranormal, you know, quote unquote, paranormal side of everything. Right. Um, truly through, yeah. You know, it's it's a religious experience to be able to understand what the fuck is going on. But being able to balance yourself and balance and protect your energy is also very important in that in that situation. So it doesn't all have to be negative because, you know, I think part of the reason that we're here within this little bubble is to be able to learn how to, you know, telepathically communicate and and all of that good stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, I agree more or less. <laughs> I agree with that, but I still yeah. think that there's too many stupid people and, and useless people <laughs> on this world. And that's the whole, that's, it's fucked up, dude. It's fucked up because a year and a half ago, I was like, not like those COVID fanatics, like there should be no death on this planet. Like I wasn't like that, but now I'm just like, I mean, I've, I've always Fuck had it. a. I've always had a, a soft spot for, for culling and for mass exterminations and the great die offs. I've always had a soft spot for that. But now I'm just like, wait a minute. If this is a, if this is a celestial cosmic thing, and if this has a lot to do on the terrestrial plane with bloodlines and with mass exterminations, Ooh. and if we're using technology 
and using industry to perpetuate and further, I guess, accelerate is the word, to accelerate an already scheduled great die-off of particular bloodlines, particular genotypes. My, my getting upset about that is useless and stupid. The best thing I could do is ignore it and hope that I'm on the favorable winning side. And I think that's important to take a good, hard look at your heritage and study history and see if that is the case. If that's the case, that there's a bloodline celestial cosmic spiritual battle because of that blood, because of that frequency taking place here on Earth that resonates celestially and cosmically out there. I mean, fuck, I don't know. It, 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 it really, it muddies the waters for sure. And it really puts a place between, uh, I, I just think it puts a pin as far as where you could stand, you know, where do you stand on that? I, I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, man. But I do think that there's a lot to do with bloodlines. And there's a lot to do with oh, yeah. ancient families, ancient types of spiritual practices that have been hidden away and occulted away in the shadows that have replicated themselves terrestrially through technology and just taking advantage of people's willful ignorance and their need to fit in and their 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 generational capabilities. And by generational capabilities, I don't mean generational like heritage but the type of usefulness and utility that a deaf dumb and blind human body can provide you know again i kind of throw it back to that mk kid you know that mk kid that nameless that nameless person that you have been that you have stripped away of any sort of spiritual or, or uh or, or physical significance because you have robbed this child of its name of its yeah. history, of its yeah. place, but yet yep. it's still alive. It's still functioning. It is now a machine for all practical purposes <gasps> that you input in and take stuff out of. Do, did you guys ever watch Monsters Inc? Oh God! <laughs> yeah, long, long, that long fucking time movie. Ago. Is that, that with movie? The Fre- Fred Savage, or is that something else? Oh, Fred Savage. Mm. No, no, that's a. <laughs> It's a DreamWorks movie. That's Monster Under My Bed or something. Like that. <laughs> little Monsters. Monster, yeah, Little Monsters. I'm thinking of Little <laughs> Monsters. Monsters Inc. was all about these monsters that their job, they work at a corporation called Monsters Inc. or whatever, and they their job is to go steal screams from children in their room to supply the energy for their monster world. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So they would Loosh. go and get all the energy, all the luge, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, wow. If you ever had the audacity to break that movie down to your child about the fucking realness of it is. And you know what the alternative was? The monster still existed, but they came in and they tickled you and made you laugh because a children's laugh is more valuable than a children's, a child's scream. Right. So yeah, value, not a body, not a human being, not a value because you're a live conscience, sentient creature. Uh, of sound and light and divine origin, 
but because you have something that's valuable. <laughs> a laugh is it because they can't access the human spirit, energy. the human energy, like they can't act. So they need to steal the human energy. That would make them separate entities, right? I don't know, man. I'm not. I don't think Grandpa. I'm. A, I don't think I'm equipped to analyze Monsters Inc. from where I'm sitting now. <laughs> but uh, go to your inner child. Dean. It seems pretty high, high, uh, high art to me. <laughs> it is. It's too high. I'm telling you guys, this movie. I it's 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 a, a uh, it doesn't even get a Rotten Tomato score. That's how uh, that's how artfully it is. It's uh, I'm just saying terribly dumb things now i'm gonna stop talking please take it away Dan. <laughs> um yeah fuck covid fuck all that shit let's talk about something different anyways can you guys so, give me like three minutes so i can man. go to the bathroom real quick yes yeah, please go ahead all right enjoy your enjoy your your movements all right dean's back from his piss break how'd that go dean fantastic felt great best piss ever yeah Awesome. Shake more than twice. You're playing with it. Always. I don't Always. even shake. Dude. <laughs> just I don't even take just... the pants off, honestly. I just... Oh, wow. <laughs> That's some trickery. <laughs> witchcraft. This we live in the country now. <laughs> Ain't nothing really matter. It actually I... can keep you warm. Well, yeah, let's... Uh, uh, let's... Uh... Well, Have you seen any fairies or paranormal activity out on your farm? Uh, well, I don't live oh, on a yeah. farm. I live in a I live on an acre and a half, but we're building kind of a weird little uh -huh. micro farm kind of thing. Um, no, uh -huh. man, I haven't really seen anything that weird around here. Although I did take a hike about a mile or half, uh, maybe about three miles from my place, and I did find some pretty interesting tracks. But I uh, I I know that there for? are cougar and i know that there has been bear in this area uh not Watch too long ago maybe cougars. 10 12 years ago so it could have been a bear track i don't think it was a cougar track it could have been a dog man but every night Roman i, I every night i call for that dog man and uh, he doesn't come around no, but I, I I do hear lots of crazy weird death happening all the time, and there are coyotes that mm. go bonkers and try to like draw That's out scary. other animals to kill. Yeah, so so you got to witness Dogman? No, not not physically. No, spiritually. I hope I yeah psychically, symbolically. No, how about, psychic. How about you just tell us that story then? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the my weird dog man experience was not symbolic, and it wasn't physical, and I had no idea what the uh, what dog man is, or what or whatever. I had I had no clue. I had no inkling. Oh, you never even heard of it. Never before, even heard of it. No. But we went. Wow. Uh, my girl and I went camping uh, just about a year ago up in this area of Washington and Gifford Pinchot National Forest. We went to this place called Forlorn Lakes. And as soon as we touched down, it was a pretty rural, pretty remote place. Not like super remote camping, like dispersed camping. It was a campground for sure. But we had this great site 
and it was huge. But as soon as we touched down and got out, got out of the truck, we knew that there was just something weird going on because there was just like this weird, heavy energy. Very, very, uh, sorry, I just hit my mic. Uh, very dead, like no animals, no noises, no bugs, no sounds, nothing, no wind, nothing. And we just thought it was a very heavy kind of dark space. And so we were like, yes, let's camp here. So we built our camp and we constructed our little altar and we gave thanks to the land and we invited in um, whatever was there to stay with us. And we expressed gratitude and we also enacted a uh, protection ring around our campsite because we knew that there was something heavy there, but we didn't know what it was. But we kind of do that anyway. Wherever we go out into the woods, we just try to bring a little bit of intention with us. And we uh, really try to respect whatever is there, but also know that, you know, and, and, and try, to, try to initiate dialogue that's, that's helpful and also vulnerable. Uh, but anyway, so we did all this. And it was just a weird kind of a place, very quiet. And there was hardly anyone camping near us. And then um, the first night, we were sitting around the fire and we were just hanging out. We had eaten some food and then we were talking and I was, I was rambling like I'm doing now. And in, in like in mid sentence, there was just this image because I was just talking, but in my mind, there was like this image just got blasted into my mind. And it was, it was an image of our campsite in real time, but it was like from from the ground, and the like the perspective was from the ground looking up over our fire. And instead of me and my lady, there was just this massive being that was human, all the way up, except for the head. And the head was just this humongous canine head, and looming over our campfire. And that this idea, uh, this image just like, boom, like forced itself into my brain as I was talking about something completely unrelated. I had no idea what I was thinking or seeing. And then I kind of stopped talking for a minute and I was quiet. And then I told my partner, like Christy, I was like, this is, I don't know what the fuck, but I just, I'm seeing this thing in my mind and I don't know what it is. It's very scary. Um, can you describe like color or features? Yeah, it's still really clear. So from the image in my mind, it was like from the ground up. So it was like maybe like a foot or so above the ground looking at the fire. And then in front of the fire, there was just like these legs that were kind of half human, half canine. They were, uh, what I've learned now is called uh, digitigrade, which is like the canine leg. So it kind of like bends backwards, you know, like the knee is reversed. Oh, yeah. But the foot wasn't a paw. It was a foot, like a human foot, but like really long in a digitigrade calf, reverse knee and thigh. But the rest of the upper from the mid from the waist up was human, but dark skinned and, and, you know, campfire lit 
And then from the chest up was like massive. And as the, from like the navel up, it started to get hairy. And so there was fur from like the navel up to, you know, the collar, I guess, was just this massive shoulder, like linebacker type, uh, like like football player, like with padding type of size of shoulder. And like the waist was extremely narrow and tapered and extremely muscular, like zero body fat, like, like, like an animal. Like if you look at an animal and you look at like deer or like coyotes or even horses, like there's no fat, like there's no fat animals out in the wild. <laughs> like even wild boars, you know, like they're not fat. They don't have like excessive body fat. They have a, everything's pretty lean. But then there was just this humongous dog head, like a dog head, like a wolf head huge like bigger than the rest of the body and that's kind of what i saw and it just flashed into my mind for like two or three seconds and it was just standing at our fire like kind of looming over it looking at our tent and you both saw it no it just that's the creepiest shit i've ever heard (laughs) i know so it was wearing no clothes either it was naked naked yeah naked naked time Naked I couldn't town? tell if it was male or female, but it was definitely wasn't female. From what from the research I've done and from the stories I've heard, the females they all have you know they all have breasts, despite what people you know think about mm. a female. But yeah, it had the so it must have been a male. And the weird thing was, is like there was a feeling of threat and power, but it wasn't like there was no feeling of like danger. You know what I mean? Like there was a weird distinction between like the possibility of danger and actual danger. And all of this was like psychic. It just sounds corny as hell to talk about because it was a psychic experience that I've had other psychic experiences in my life, but this one was like really profound and really sudden out of nowhere. And then it just was gone, you know? So, so that happened. And I thought about it and I was like, well, that's really fucking creepy. I don't know why this is coming into my mind because we're there in this area that's kind of been known for like Sasquatch. And so when we first, I forgot to mention this too, when we first got out of the truck and we're investigating the campsite and kind of looking around and feeling out if this is going to be a place that we want to stay for two or three days, we heard all this knocking going on like deep in the forest, like tree knocks, like typical Sasquatch knocking. We didn't know if it was other campers that were maybe chopping wood or if it was someone just having fun, you know, as much fun as you can have hitting a stick against the tree. That sounds like fun, I guess. But there's there was a, all these a weird Sasquatch knocking noise. I, I'm unaware of this. No, you don't know tree about knocks. that? No. Yeah, there's, yeah. So there's all yeah. these like, like tree knocks. So they'll, Sasquatch will triangulate and coordinate um, their locations. And sometimes this is from what I've tell <laughs> from, from what I can tell from what I've heard from people who have relationships with Sasquatch and some research that I've done that like these like Sasquatch are as much as they're rogue and lone on their own, they're, they're also in groups, but they don't really travel together. Like, you know, like three Sasquatch together, you know, so yeah, they'll triangulate their locations by knocking on trees and specific type of patterns and different type of configurations that they'll do these tree knocks. And that's how they can communicate to each other. I heard Complete. an interesting thing recently. And uh, it was that they're not actually knocking on trees. Um, uh, I forget who's 
what podcast I was listening to, but they said it it's the same sound as when you go through a portal. It makes like these knocks. It's like a and uh, they said that because the people were talking about how they thought Sasquatch is uh, interdimensional and it was going through portals and that's what they equated the tree knocks to. Yeah. Do you think trees, trees could be certain trees could be certain like uh, like it has to be a specific grouping a tree or like a like a like a a tree with a uh, you know certain type of alchemical uh, history behind it that could be like portals or like man that's interesting i don't even know that's that's really cool wow it's hard to say i mean considering that you know these are all sentient beings you know even trees and plants are sentient beings and they're all in a yeah. giant city of other sentient beings that are different species <laughs> completely coordinating Just all their movements and, and growth with different communications i mean there's like you know fields and fields of like networks and strings of mycelium and and uh mycorrhizal fungal threads that connect plants and trees together so that there's a mm-hmm. you know there's a tree that gets sick network and dies yeah it's a fantastic network it's the it's the real natural internet but it's yeah, under- i was just gonna say nature's internet yes yeah, it's, it's under your feet you know it's it's uh, it's fungal it's fungus it's mushroom mm-hmm. i mean mushrooms, mushrooms are just the fruit of mycorrhizae and different types of uh um what do they call that? Mycelium. Mycelium. So, my favorite, my favorite thing about mushroom that I heard is, uh, and I love it. It's uh, mushrooms eat death and create life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, how left hand path is that, man? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, so yeah, so that was my weird psychic dogman thing, but it didn't end there. Oh, before you get into more, I have a couple questions for okay. you. Did you notice anything purple? Hmm, no. 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 I've been on this Lemuria kick lately, and there's Ooh. some uh, Lemuria stuff going on with uh, Mount Shasta, apparently. And some people see some interesting stuff at Mount Shasta. And there's a, a theory about Lemuria being in the Pacific. So um, since it seems like such a guardian type of uh, vision, I was just curious if there was maybe any connections that you m- might have had to some other civilization that may have existed before. And you're seeing an ancestral spirit from that time. Or anything like that is well. I no nothing at that time. Nothing that was obvious to me or stuck out that was noticeable. But it was in retrospect, like after we got back from everything, and after I'd gotten lost in the woods, and after we discovered ice caves, and realized that the whole ground underneath our feet were just like Swiss cheese networks of caves. I learned about <laughs> about the uh, yeah yeah that was heavy. I learned about the adjacent wilderness, which is called Indian Heaven, which is a, oh, a big wow. prayer ground and a big sacral a sacred area that was uh, from the the Native Americans who lived there previously, even before the volcanic flows of lava that formed all these caves. 
that were everywhere beneath your feet. I mean, there are places you could walk that you could like, if you're hitting with a stick, say you're walking with a walking stick, it's just, it just sounds hollow. And then we found these, this big network of caves called the ice caves. Uh, and that's like about a mile and a half or two miles from where we were camping. And you could walk all the way through these huge caves underground and everything's cold and it's really cool. But to think that those caves are just there and nowhere else is ridiculous because the whole place. Absolutely. As I discovered later on, the whole area of Gifford Pinchot Forest and Indian Heaven Wilderness is a massive bed of lava tubes. So there's just literally Mm. like Swiss cheese cave networks underground everywhere. And so the night that I heard or the night that I had that vision was heavy and weird. It didn't slow me down. And I think it was the next night I ate a bunch of mushrooms, not a whole ton, but I ate a bunch of mushrooms and had kind of a nice little fun time. And we both did. Uh, But I kept kind of getting pulled into the woods. Like I just kind of kept like, like I just kept moving around the camp, you know, like I just kept kind of moving around. I was kind of sort of just walking around our camp. We had this great big campsite, huge. And I kept getting kind of pulled into the woods and I wanted to go into the woods, but I but I didn't. But I was just kind of like, I couldn't take my eyes off of the woods. And the woods are super dense. And there's no trails anywhere. And all the trees are dead. And it's late summer, so everything is just brown. And there's just, just tons and tons of deadfall. But there's no trails anywhere. And I just kind of, as I was tripping, I wasn't tripping balls. I wasn't crazy high. But, you know, I'd had some pretty nice mushrooms, a few different kinds, and I just kind of kept getting pulled towards the woods. And, I, you know, I never went in. I stayed near the camp, and I stayed at the camp, and I stayed near the fire. And then after the whole night was over, and it's kind of hanging out and kind of wearing off, I went to bed. And then it was like in the middle of the night that night, dude, I woke up to, I heard this howl like this crazy animal howl that was like real real close like super close and i sat upright and i heard this crazy howl and there was another group of campers like two guys that were like probably 500 yards away and they were had they had just spent the entire day building their city of a campsite like these guys are building like a real house out there like they had so much gear. They're expecting a whole bunch of people. So they're building all this stuff up. And I heard this howl and I sat upright and I brought my pistol with me. And so I grabbed my pistol and I was like, holy fuck, what the fuck is that? It was an unlike any kind of howl I've ever heard in my life. And then I hear these dudes 500 yards away start loading shit into their truck and they just take off like they're gone. Oh, damn. Yeah. And I started, okay. And so I'm like, okay, that's, I wasn't the only <laughs> one that heard sketchy. that. real sketchy. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't the only one that heard that. Like my girl, Christy heard it. These dudes had to have heard it because then they split. But then I start rationalizing like, oh, maybe these guys are just fishermen. You know, it's before dawn. Maybe they're trying to get to the place, you know, get to the water so they can go out there and fish. They got, you know, they're expecting a whole group of people because they're building a city over there in their campsite. So I don't know. So that happened and that was fucking sketchy, but I stayed up the rest of the night cause I was super sketched out by that howl. And, uh, and you know, it's just, it was just super weird. So then the next day happened and for some reason I decided to go for a walk 
out of the campsite and we're all like all the campsites are around these little tiny lakes and they're not lakes as much as they're ponds and Mm. they're not really ponds as much as they're just like (laughs) pools of water, like great big, (laughs) huge puddles, you know, like they're stagnant. There's, there's no drainage. Yeah. And I had taken a walk earlier the day before, um, I think it might have even been the first day I walked, I tried to walk the perimeter of one of these little ponds. And I just kept noticing that all the trees around me were dead and dying and tons of them had fallen. And there were many that were like, had fallen into the water and they were all pointed at the center of these weird ponds, right? Hmm. These, these mini lakes, it's called forlorn lakes. And then I thought about, yeah, I did research about the word forlorn Forlorn is like abandoned, begotten, forgotten. You know, it's like this. Mm. Anyway, all these trees are falling around and pointed at the center of this lake, these little lakes. And so I started again on the it's daylight. This is the day after the mushrooms, day after the sound, two days after the vision that hadn't occurred. I didn't have any other weird visions and I hadn't been thinking about Dogman. I just had this weird flash in my mind that night, you know, like I didn't know what it was. I didn't think about it. And then I heard that weird sound and I was like, what if the two are connected? Okay. Yeah, possibly. But I don't know what that is. I do know about Sasquatch. I don't know about that. I don't think the two are Sasquatch. I don't think those things equal Sasquatch. Didn't think much about it. Then the third day I decided to go for a walk around the woods uh, and I was walking uh, the perimeter of our little tiny micro lake pond puddle thing and then i start like going up this hill and there's no trails so i'm just like trying to remember how i got to where i was and then somehow dudes i got like totally turned around and ended up walking for like an hour and a half and got super duper lost in the woods (laughs) and i kept following the perimeter of what i thought was our little lake but it wasn't because i just kept going round and around and through, and then I found another one, and it was different. And then along this weird journey of getting lost, I came across one place that was like really awful smelling. It just smelled like shit and piss and blood and rot, Ooh. like rotten, Ooh. like just nasty. And so I got out it of there. Forlorn. I found places that had <laughs> like on the riverbanks in the mud that had like weird footprints. Like that looked like human feet, but not. And they weren't quite animal, but they weren't quite human either. And so that was fucking weird. And then eventually I got to a point where I started to realize that I was lost. I didn't want to panic. I was trying not to panic. I wasn't panicking until I started to kind of panic a little bit. And then right at that moment is when I decided to call out because I was sure that my girl was just around that hill. If I just called out, I'm sure I'm right there. And I called out her name I didn't hear anything back, but then I heard a truck and I looked over and I saw a red truck about a hundred yards from where I was standing. I could just see it between the trees and I saw a truck move. And so I knew if that's a truck, then there's gotta be a road. And so I just beelined for what I found was a road. And then eventually I made my way back to my camp, uh, but it was fucking crazy. It was just weird. It was just a weird, weird experience. So ever since then, I started doing more research about that area, and I learned that there's 
not a small number of people who have gone missing from that forest, from right where I was camping. And then I learned about a guy that went missing up there who was presumed dead. And his sister had contacted a medium to try to reach him uh, via a Ouija board. And she did. And I saw this crazy video of this. I saw this crazy video of this medium in Mississippi contacting this guy through the Ouija board who got lost in Gifford Pinchot National Forest at Forlorn Lakes. And he said that when he got lost, he knew he was lost. And so he uh, started eating some of the roughage and foliage that he had identified because he was kind of a forager. And then he accidentally poisoned himself. And in his fever, he felt that he was turning into a dog. (laughs) What? And that's fucking wild shit. And then I learned about some other weird occult stuff that had happened at the this place called Goose Lake that was like a half a mile from where we were camping. All kinds of weird animal transfiguration, transmutation rituals that took place around Goose Lake. And then three or four or five people that went camping at Forlorn Lakes area, Indian Heaven Wilderness, uh, Mount Adams, who'd all gone missing with no trace of them out of the blue, just suddenly they're gone. And so I started looking into Dogman, and then I found this dude's channel called Dogman Encounters Radio, and it blew my mind. And so now it's been one of those obsessions that I've had for a while, and I did a huge multiple, like two-part episode with my buddy Chris down in Tennessee about it, and it's way too long for anyone to listen to, I think, but it's actually really, really, really good because there's lots of good information. I did this whole breakdown of what the dog man is, as far as I can tell, the military aspects of it, the cosmological aspects of it, the planet Sirius and the the, the, mm, the, the dog star. Yeah, the dog star, um, the maybe Nephilim, maybe not, but there's just people, there's historical anecdotal evidence of human canine uh, uh, hybridization. Oh yeah. Then of course there's Anubis, you know, is the God of the underdead and all of these dog headed entities throughout antiquity have Mm -hmm. all been guardians. And then I started learning that dogmen and Sasquatch as much as they are both guardians of portals that they're actually adversarial and don't like each other and fight each other off and try to keep each other from different from different portals and what are they guarding and what are they hiding? I don't know, but it's very, very fascinating. I want to, I want to ask a question too, real quick, because I want to see what, you know, we started talking about the tunnel system, uh, you know, there in the Pacific Northwest at uh, Gifford Pinchot. Um, and I know that's, I mean, all along the West coast specifically because of, what they told uh, us in school is true. Then you have the tectonic plate system, right? You have a, a, the core of our planet is magma. Uh, there's lava and there's heat and pressure and combustion and all these things. And the tectonic plates, you know, um, are constantly moving. And you have the Pacific plate up here and you have the, uh, oh, sorry, you have the North American plate. Then you have the Pacific plate and the North American plate sits a little bit above that. And up in Washington, and I'm a Washingtonian. I was actually born in Port Angeles, Washington, which is very, very northern on the peninsular side. Um, Good country. Oh, man. Beautiful. 
Uh, but there, that area and why I think, you know, this is the conspiratorial side of my brain, uh, but why I think Seattle is such a, an infiltrated city is because it, Washington is very, very special electromagnetically. And I think that a lot of these anomalies or, um, interdimensional beings can exist and exist, you know, in places where electromagnetic properties of the earth are very strong. Um, and so you have these tectonic plates here, which create the mountain ranges, which have a lot of volcanic activity, which would seemingly be good places for electromag or which are electromagnetically hot spots and then could be places for portals. Um, and point I'm getting at, do you think there is um, more tunnel systems uh, that exist deeper, deeper? Are we? Do you think that we are stacked tunnel systems? And uh, do you think that electromagnetic hotspots uh, could be used for um, uh, teleporting across to different electromagnetic hotspots on the Earth? Ooh. Gosh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I... <laughs> I do. <laughs> I don't know. I know that the Earth is way deeper and darker than we can imagine. I'm. I. I can. I can imagine that there's a lot more tunnel tunnel systems that are going on all over the place. But I think there's there are specific kind of pockets where there are hotspot energies. Um, some of those places, I think there there's lots of them. I don't think there is there is rare as people think. I think that there are no lots no of them. yeah. Like the place that I was camping at was close to Mount Adams. Do you guys know much about Mount Adams? Mm -mm. Yeah, Mount Adams it's, is, uh, is a big UFO area. There's lots, and there's been his tons and tons of some of the very first accounts of people visually seeing UFOs flying in and out of the mountain. It was around Mount Adams. There's also Mount Shasta. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's the fuck, dude. I mean, there's so many places. All over, um, a lot, okay, lot on the think west about the coast, Great Lakes. I mean, the Great the Lakes, coast. the whole like, okay, you got Minnesota, which was, um, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a little bit, you know, down in the in the Midwest, but you have Minnesota and Michigan near the Great Lakes. Humongous numbers of dogman sightings, and these are like massive bodies of water. I think that water is the source yes. you know wherever yes. there's water or had been water at some point uh -huh. these are little portal areas where dimensional beings can come in and out of in my in, in my opinion and no so, you're you're i i I've, i fuck with that because i did a segment on the show a few episodes ago about a lot of scientific studies that have to do with um electromagnetic you know responses and information being passed through um, unlike or just uh, that that's uncomprehensible to the modern human mind about how much information water holds and how big mm -hmm. of a spiritual property that uh, that it has, especially within consciousness and understanding how to hold memory through just thought and right. um and how to change structure through thought. And I was going to say the Great Lakes are an anomaly because they were formed. Um, they aren't on a lot of older maps, but then they're on newer maps, you know, that, that whole kind of thing. So that, that's really interesting as well. Yeah. I, I think that there's honestly very little distinction between water and electricity. I think it's just, it's really, it's just a, uh, a, a dimensional aspect between the two. I mean, they both carry the same traits. There's channels, currents, 
vibrations, mm-hmm. frequencies, depths, volumes, all of these things are translated in between. They can be, what's the word? Uh, but can you turn the water up to 11? You can turn the water up to 11. Yeah. Well, you have density. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. It's, 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 uh, the language is interchangeable between the two. And, and why is that? I think it's because they're the same thing. There's just different type of dimensional frequencies in which those things exist. We can utilize well, them definitely- almost in the exact same way. And the fact that you can get electricity from water mm-hmm. is amazing to me. And the fact that you can generate energy in water through sound is crazy to me. Have you guys ever seen that video called Star yeah. in a Jar? People literally making a star in a jar of water by beaming sound waves through water in a container and they create an actual star, like a star, which is just a tiny version of the fucking sun. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. That's crazy. Through water. And that lends the idea that perhaps the entire cosmos, the whole cosmos is just water. Outside yeah. of the the firmament that we're actually in a giant, uh, what do they call that? A terrarium. Terrarium. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The, the, that's what it. fucked me up on the flat earth stuff was the whole firmament. Because uh, like I've seen the firmament or felt it when I was on in a heightened state on psychedelics at one point. Um, and I've, I've kind of like bounced in and out of seeing the atmosphere and then being like, I think it really has to do a lot with densities and, and being, yeah, like pockets of densities throughout, you know? And, and, um, uh, that's a, the whole deeper conversation too, but like uh, to tap back on the water and electricity, I think that entities like paranormal experiences, like ghosts and such are able to control lights, right? A lot of people have experience with lights flickering and, mm-hmm. and things happening with electronics. Well, if these entities can 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 be communicative through electronics and they could also be communicative through water like you're experiencing with dogman being next to those ponds mm-hmm. you know yeah i think that's those crazy are, shit I think, I think water especially moving water is you know it's it's, ch- it's a channel it's a current mm-hmm. it's a current yeah it's oh, and that yeah, current yeah. you can tap in and tap that's out right. of that current and literally travel through in and out pop pop out pop in i mean mm-hmm. through these currents and stagnant water would mean what and what what do you think stagnant stagnant water would mean in that case like a oh gosh i mean honestly like like imagine a room full of co2 you just suffocate gas oh probably. wow yeah you know like there's, there's uh, no there's you're no saying that there's yeah, You're saying yeah. that there's a sacred land there, na- sacred Native American land. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? Did they ever find any like uh, structures in the area? I don't. I'm not sure, honestly. I don't know. Because huh. that would be interesting. Maybe if there's a structure there, maybe there was some type of civilization there before. I think there were definitely um, civilization there, but. I don't think that any place, you know, needs a, a structure, you know, like I live really, really, yeah. really close to the Silver Falls, uh, Silver Falls State Park in Oregon. 
it's the trail of 10 falls. So there's like, it's actually 11 waterfalls, like some of the most epic waterfalls you'll ever see in your life. If you guys ever get to Oregon, hit me up, man. I'll take you on the trail of trail of 10 falls and these places, man. I mean, as I'm walking through this trail, it takes about five or six hours to walk the entire, the entire breadth of the whole state park to, to go through all these waterfalls. But there's many of them that you actually can go in behind. And there's these humongous caves that you end up walking through. And then you're behind this waterfall, either just a couple of feet or like maybe 30, 40 feet. But there's these massive spaces these they're almost like auditorium sized caves that you walk through. Wow. And you're behind these waterfalls. It's breathtaking. Wow. It is a yeah, powerful, supercharged place. And I know I don't need to be told or see it printed. I just know that this space has always been here. As long as yeah. you know, as long as the third dimension, as long as rock had been here, this place has always been here. White people maybe not, you know, English speaking people maybe not, German speaking people maybe not, but those those human beings that were here definitely would utilize this location for a spiritual practice. Yeah. Think about the idea too. You don't need a monument ba- for that. Baptism. You know, you don't need a you don't need a an altar because the place itself is the monument. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't want to cut you off, but something I've been learning about, I've been reading this book kind of casually It's called God is red by this dude mm-hmm. named vine Deloria. And it's a, it's a native perspective on spirituality in America. It's an older book. Mm-hmm. And the, the big takeaway point is that there are, there's a sacredness and a profound nature to land itself that doesn't require any sort of alteration. And that that's the one thing that the American empire being a melting pot of immigration, being a melting pot of European migration doesn't have going for it is that the, the indigenous peoples of the United States, never mind the whole world, because there's plenty of those too. But the one thing that the indigenous people have of the United States that the American empire, white complexion, English speaking migration from Europe doesn't have. The one thing is that they don't have a, that the, there's a connection with the land itself and that there's a reverence for the land and that there are whole areas of the land that are unfit for exploitation because they are they're holy, they're sacramental, they're churches. And that when the migration specifically of Anglo-Saxon Europeans came about, they didn't understand that. We still don't understand that. We still look at land as this expansion for possibilities to grow abundance, to exploit Mm -hmm. rather than revere for what it is. And so these caves that you can go through, in my opinion, at Silver Falls, those are churches, those are cathedrals. And I think that they've always been recognized as such. And I think we're super lucky that maybe actually there were a handful of white complexion, English speaking migrants 
who also recognize that these places are worth reverence and not necessarily exploitation. However, that said, it still costs $5 to park your car there to walk around there all day. So they're still taxing that ass for five bucks. <laughs> Should be free. Well, yeah, unfortunately, they probably got to do that and just to just even just to not have it be bought by, you know, some fucking company and then exploit it and have a fucking food truck there or whatever. Totally. You know, and in their that, defense, that's kind of what I was I mean, saying earlier about that separation of nature. Oh, God. Yeah, true. But I was saying what I was saying earlier about like I've always had this just, just, just you know this like kind of just upset upheaval uh, of the word nature because the word nature itself inscribes that it's separate from us and from what we are and from what life is, but it's not. It's separate from the societal simulation that's being slammed down our throats. But that's the MK and the fact the word the word nature it just puts a big wedge in between us and the you know the cosmic reality and I don't have words for it because it's so far out there but it shouldn't be far out like it, it should be very much in you know in here in inside us yeah um as we wind down here I had. One last question for you. All right. Dean, we were talking about cave systems under um, ground and lava tubes and started making me think about inner earth. And uh, have you guys ever heard of the the green children, a wool pit? No. <laughs> no, that sounds good. I love though. it though. What is it? You guys brother? haven't heard that before? No, the All green right. children of wool pit, wool pit. Yeah, wool pit. Yeah, it uh, it's a English. Uh, it's in England in Suffolk, East Anglia. Okay, yeah, oh, uh, seven seven miles east of the town of Bury St Edmunds. So, one day at harvest time, according to William of Newbur, during the reign of King Stephen, around eleven thirty five to eleven fifty four. The villagers of Woolpit discovered two children, a brother and a sister, beside one of the wolf pits that gave the village its name. Their skin was green, they spoke an unknown language, and their clothing was unfamiliar. Ralph reports that the children were taken to the home of Richard DeCane. Ralph and William agree that the pair refused all food for several days until they came across some raw, broad beans which they consumed eagerly. The children gradually adapted to normal food. In time, lost their green color. The boy, who appeared to be the younger of the two, became sickly and died shortly after he and his sister were baptized. Of course. After learning to speak English, the children, Ralph, uh, the children, Ralph says, just the surviving girl explained that they came from a land where the sun never shone and the light was like twilight. William says the children called their home St. Martin's Land. Ralph adds that everything there was green. According to William, the children were unable to account for their arrival in Woolpit. They had been herding their father's cattle when they heard a loud noise. According to William, the bells of Bury St. Edmunds, and suddenly found themselves by Wolfpit. 
where they were found. Ralph says that they had become lost when they followed the cattle into a cave and after being guided by the sound of bells, eventually emerged into our land. According to Ralph, the girl was employed for many years as a servant in Richard DeCain's household, where she was considered to be very wanton and impudent. Wanton and impudent. This means that she was kind of yeah. a she was kind of a punker bitch. She didn't give a fuck. Didn't want to hear about it. Okay. William says that she eventually married a man from Kings Lynn, about forty miles from Woolpit, where she was still living. Shortly before he wrote uh, the book, based on his research into Richard DeCain's family history, the astronomer and writer Duncan Lunan has concluded that the girl was given the name. Agnes, and that she married a royal official named Richard Bear. Uh, but that's so that's the story. People uh, always speculate, you know, about uh, who these children were, where they came from. And uh, I thought an interesting part of that story was uh, bells, and we're talking about portals and the tree knocks of, yeah. uh, of possibly Sasquatch being uh, what it sounds like when you when you travel through portals. Yeah. And uh, they're talking about bells ringing and that ringing feeling, you know? So maybe they awakened some type of portal and, and popped in, but they were green people. Does it say how <laughs> old they were when they disappeared? Uh, yeah, I think it does. Um, let me see if I can find that in here. Uh, I believe they were pretty young, though. Like three? Oh. oh no no no! You going for the young. abduction traumatic uh, well, uh, type of? Uh, no, it just reminds me of. Um, yeah, I'm not this, sure. Last night I, I was with uh, Christy and I were cleaning out, kind of making room in the art studio, and we're listening mm-hmm. to Ryan Gable's podcast called "The Secret Teachings." It's not always mm-hmm. for me. I respect him though and love him, and we have his books. He's a great dude, but he did a show last night about. Um, missing 333 which is just the title of his show and it's kind of like missing 411 but he was drawing a lot of attention to a preponderance of three-year-old children that find themselves inextricably lost in the woods being called in and pulled into forest situations forest locations at three years old only to turn up like a thousand feet away or within a half a mile and having no recollection. But in one case, a child being taken care of by a bear (laughs) for three days, according to what the child says, but it could be a dog, man, you know, but that was in uh, the four one one stuff too. Yeah. So yeah, that was, it was touched on. It was a good episode. I think so. I mean, Ryan Gable, a lot like a lot of other podcasts in that kind of niche, like uh, Clyde Lewis, Ground Zero. I love these guys. They're great, and they do a lot of great work, and they have a great perspective. It does get a little bit redundant after the second hour. You know, you do the first hour, and then the second hour kind of repeats itself, but it's great work. So, yeah, if you can, uh, check out Ryan Gable's Secret Teachings podcast, his most recent episode, which... I don't know. I just look for 333, Ryan Gable. Pretty good. But yeah, I've never mm. heard of that. I've never heard of the green children of Wolpit. Yeah. It sounds vaguely familiar, but there's there's so there's so many interesting stories like that. But that's a really cool one. 
It's a really yeah, cool kind of one. Fits in. They even uh, the guy's name was Richard D. Kane, C A I N E, which kind of looks like canine. Yeah. Uh, Creepy. Yeah, or, I think they you know, mentioned or, something or about cane. something about a dog in there too. So it kind of even eerily sounds similar to your experience too. <laughs> yeah. Little timelines kind of overlapping. I mean, even Kane, Kane itself, you know, uh, yeah. the the you know the brother Abel, the canine, the Canaanites, yeah. the Canaan, yeah, you know, all these savages. Yeah, I just love that too. Like just the whole the whole the whole connotation of savagery um, with the unknown, that hostile other. You know, and it's so interesting too because of all the stories I've heard about, like Dogman and my own experience. Like, as as threatening as it was, it was just that I never felt like I was in any kind of danger. And of all the stories I've heard of people that have had some pretty significant encounters, and I think you'd probably would be interested in the most recent episode because this dude is a uh, the most recent episode of Dogman Encounters Radio with Vic Cundiff. It's a YouTube channel. Um, uh, his guest is a self-proclaimed Odinist. He has a relationship with the Norse and a relationship with the runes. And his encounters are very elaborate. And then, yeah. Who's that guy? It's just. Benjamin Balderson? <laughs> no, it's not Snorri Snorgelson either. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of these stories seem, they seem incredible as far as like without credibility. But yeah, the question that I asked, you know, in the episode I did, the the two episodes I did with my friend Chris from my podcast with the dog man was, why would anyone go out of their way to concoct and reenact such an elaborate story to gain some sort of attention to themselves on the, one of the most obscure subjects and one of the most lesser known <laughs> obscure YouTube channels or podcasts that matters to such an obscure population of people. It seems like a lot of effort to go to for such low hanging fruit. And that's why I yeah. don't think that they're all so fabricated. I know that there probably are some that people are, are hungry though, Mike. People are hungry. People are hungry. They yeah. They need, they need to eat. Yeah, but why? They're tired yeah. of those beans. I know. I know. Babies no, got to eat. I'm People got to eat. But no one's getting paid <laughs> for these stories. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, seemingly, they would never, like, like they're not just going to drop into, you know, tens of thousands of dollars by exposing their dogman, you know, situation. Like, well, there's I, also I, a I lot of kind of stories like it though so everybody can't be fabricating similar things i mean i guess you're right in a way you could if it's in the ether already i kind of feel like that with ufos sometimes that people just you know kind of see what they want to see based on you know their own personality or what they believe in but sure as in your case you you didn't even know about dog band before until you saw him so that's that's pretty interesting. I like that. Yeah, I had story. no idea about it until I saw it in my mind. I didn't have a physical encounter. It was all telepathic. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, it's true. not the only one. I mean, in my research, I've learned that there are hundreds and hundreds of people who have had physical, real-life encounters face-to-face, 
sometimes far away, sometimes nose to nose with these entities. And yet there's a whole communication that takes place in their minds telepathically. And the message is always consistent. The message is, I can destroy you any time I want, but I'm not <laughs> going to. That's powerful. And what, yeah, it's super powerful. It's crazy yeah, it's because like, it traumatizes people. I mean, you should hear some of these yeah. people. Some of these guys, some of these dudes, Dan, are 75 years old. These guys wow. talking about these stories, these encounters they had when they were 20. And they've been keeping these this encounter with them for 50 years. And these old men and some of these old women are in tears talking about it on this show, reliving it. And I'm just asking myself, why would this 75-year-old bastard fake tears to impress this ridiculous host of this stupid show <laughs> if it wasn't legitimate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck, man. You know, sometimes I think that people, you know, just trip out man i think well fuck yeah i uh, look around talking and about see all pineal the... gland earlier maybe your pineal gland is some creating some type of uh well that would mean it's... into your brain or maybe you know maybe that's sometimes what these experiences are or just you know your body producing shit yeah well that would mean it's still within the collective consciousness so they're tapping into yeah. some information somewhere i i think uh, the consciousness yeah. is similar to you know i think the internet what is like a recreation of like the human recreation and the physical format of consciousness. So it can kind of just be like, you can kind of like algorithm, algorithmic, algorithmically create anything through a certain, you know, like, I don't know, like frequency. Uh, yeah. You know, like I, I, and so like whether or not it's like a physical manifestation or, or if it's a, um, conscious manifestation well that consciousness having to kind of like share like a grouped sort of like database or you know cloud face or whatever uh it's it's all really interesting to speculate absolute yeah absolutely yeah man i mean it's just it's, it's endless you know and you think about like <laughs> yeah yeah dude it's, it's absolutely endless and whatever your yeah. whatever your imagination can concoct and that to say that everything is just a part of a simulation, like everything has already been determined. And now it's just like your, your point in the game that you encounter the dog, man, that's just your point in the game that you encounter Glitch. the coronavirus. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, all of it is just so over the top. And so, yeah, I guess the question, you know, for me is like, why wouldn't these 75 year old sad bastards, you know, fabricate some, some tearjerker <laughs> story. I look her out my window and I see these motherfuckers driving around in masks in their car by themselves and yeah. love with the idea of a real threat because their lives are so vapid and meaningless. They finally have something <laughs> to die for such wasted. <laughs> oh man. Fuck them. Let them burn. <laughs> and that's someday Dean you're Reiner, everybody. The, <laughs> someday you're going to be that 75 year old man telling your story. Yeah. No, I'll be long dead by then. They'll have got me. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, roll them over with All right, the well, cement truck. Let's end it on that positive yeah. note. Then. <laughs> <Let's>. <laughs> and uh, 
everything I ever hoped and it was. And tell the good people where they can find you and what you got going on in the world. All right, man. Well, uh, first I want to say thank you guys for letting me on your show. I think it's really cool. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I dig your show. I dig meeting you guys. I, I met you. I have still. I don't know if I'll ever meet you, Dan, in real life, but virtually is it's adequate for now. I may. Yeah. I may have to take a trip down to California. Uh, I might be taking a trip up to Oregon. So, well, yeah, dude, hit me up if you do, man. And fucking Roman, dude, you're a gentleman. Very, very cool. I enjoyed, dude. I think one of the best parts about uh, Manifest was just kicking it with you, and. Uh, Same. <laughs> just on on the on the log at the fire with Catherine, just popping off and telling stories, and then you just disappeared into the night like classic Irish goodbye. It was so cool. <laughs> That's like Roman, dude. He just fucking disappears. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> just like we like, drank, fucking guy goes. We drank quite a few beers and asked a lot and quite a few different people what they thought about the polls, and that yeah. was like. I just, it was such a good moment. I had to leave. I didn't want it to deteriorate. Not that I thought that it would, but I was just like, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a great, great experience. Sitting with you on the, on the log, drinking beers and everyone that walked by our campfire, we just demanded answers from them about the poll. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in Antarctica? Why can't we look at it? No one had any idea we were talking focus, about. I think all the focus is in antarctica and we should be looking at the arctic yeah there you go it's good but yeah so thanks for having me on your show you guys it's really cool yeah man. um i am the one and only mr dean reiner of the up is down podcast 100 percent self-produced independently on my own by myself whenever i want however i want <laughs> that's the product that i make i do it value for value I hope that people have value, that they find value out of the show and that they consider supporting the show with whatever value they got by returning that back to the show at the support links. It's been actually really great, man. I don't ever put anything behind a paywall. I do everything for free, 100% offer it up. And then I just ask people to consider the value of it. So that's been really cool. You can find me up as down podcast. You can find me at, at on Apple iTunes. Uh, I've been known to look around on Stitcher. Spreaker is my host, so you can find me there. I prefer uh, podcast-friendly apps like Podcast 2.0 apps like uh, Podverse, Podcatcher, things like that. Um, Pod Podverse is my go-to uh, podcast app. I like that one. You can find me there. Um, you can also check out me and my podcast RSS feed. It's always going to be at DeanReiner.com, which is my own little silly website that hosts not only the podcast RSS feed and has a player, um, but also has a bunch of the other artwork that I do and that I have made over the years and that I continue to produce. I've been actually doing a lot more painting lately than ever, which has been a lot mm -hmm. of fun. It's kind of why I'm not doing so many shows so actively. It's because I get I kind of get caught you up in making painting artwork. I just make stuff. So that's what's what the name of the website again, sir? It's DeanReiner.com. D-E-A-N-R-E-I-N-E-R.com. And there, yeah, you, you can, can find uh, the podcast the RSS feed. You, like. you can find links to the art, <laughs> links to uh, just different drawings and paintings that I've been doing. And I've been, I've actually been scanning a lot of it and uh, making prints. I'm able to make prints. Everything's available, negotiable. I don't have any prices listed because I'm just not quite there yet, and I'm kind of having a moral dilemma about listing the artwork with a price next to it. But um, if anyone is so inclined, 
as people do all the time, email me from the website, take a look at the artwork and let me know if anything resonates with you. And if you'd like to have a print or also, I mean, I'm open to negotiate prices for originals. A lot of the paintings that I do are kind of big. They're hard to ship because they're not like on canvas. I like to make my own constructions. I make my own, I like to paint oil on wood. And so I frame the wood in, in a, in a singular construction. So in any case, that's just what I've been doing lately. God damn it. And that's where you can find me at all those places. And you can look at the artwork and you can consider supporting me because I don't have any income because I resigned from my job because I'm burning the whole shit down and I'm rolling it down the hill. I'm looking at your art right now. Honestly, I typed it in and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's very good. I love cool, it. Man. Thanks, uh, dude. It's, uh, it's, it's some, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of some deep shit going on here with your, uh, with your paintings, dude. It's a great job, man. Holy wow. Thanks. Well, well, Dean, I wanted to thank you for, uh, stopping by our humble little pod. And I wanted to leave you with, uh, one thought of inspiration. All right. And that is, Maybe you saw Dogman and he seemed bigger and like a boss to you because he was telling you to be your own boss. Nice. Control your own life. And uh seems like that's exactly what you did, sir. So my life changed completely after that. So there's something there. Yeah, man. Dude, it's nuts. I'm it's interesting you said that because it was just within about sixty days. After that strange mm-hmm. psychic encounter that I made, I made actual drastic efforts to torch every aspect of my Portland life. Mm, it torched Portland. my job. I torched my rat apartment. Everything was all comfy and secure and cozy. And then my truck got stolen. And I realized that this is a sign that I should pay attention to and consider what it is that I value and what, I, what it is that I'm, that I'm willing to torch to let go of. And so mm-hmm. everything changed and man, it's been really, really great ever since then. So I think in my own weird psychic cosmic dogman experience, like it was a big button got pushed by that entity. Yeah. So, Anyway, man, thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll get you on again if you're down, bro. Yeah. Uh, 100%. See dude, anytime, on- man. You guys are fucking great. I love talking to you. This has been really cool. Oh, thanks, See man. you on the other side. All right, man. How do I get off this? And to thing? everybody out there, wake, wake up. up. Uh, wake up. <laughs> love it. <laughs>